Devour the podcast is for mature audiences only. Hello, welcome everyone to Devour the Podcast, episode 118. I am your host, David, along with me is Jamie. Hello. With us as usual is Bo. That was rather jovial. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, say hi for me. You said you did it better. Hello. Perfect. Oh, okay, that's a good impression of Bo. And uh, <laughs> joining us this evening <laughs> is longtime friend of the show. Uh, he is the host of the podcast on the stairs. Holy shit! I almost forgot the title of your show. Jesus Christ. Um, he is Mr. Duncan Cleish. I want Jamie to do mine as well now. Oh Jesus. Actually, do it. Do it. I don't. I can't do unintelligible. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You can't do unintelligible. What was that? <laughs> I mean, is this how we're gonna start the show with just word soup right out of the gate? In fairness, and what Jamie said makes more sense than the movie that we're gonna discuss later. So, yeah. <laughs> Hey, hello. Jimmy's <laughs> oh, Scottish perfect. introduction is brought to you by the mind that brought you Rob Zombie Steady One. Ah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it's off the rails already. That's yeah. what I like to contribute to all the shows that I appear on. It's just this this kind of this level of off the railness, which oh, uh, yeah. um, I, I hope that we continue right through the entire show. I'm too oh, excited I'm sure to be will. here. This is like. You've been here before, you know that's yeah, going to happen. but it has been a while, and the last time I was been. here, Jamie wasn't here. Um, Jamie managed really? to duck out of, yeah, we did the we did Friday the 13th remake. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And J- Jamie was yeah. mysteriously absent on that show. Yep, I do remember that now. Yeah, and it was nothing to do with anything up someone's bottom before Bo asks, and I know that was a joke that was carried off here, but... <laughs> Just thought I'd get that in there just now. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a while. Plus, you guys have been away for a while, and yes. and this is the bit that I do every time you invite me on, where I say that you know, without devour the podcast, there would be no podcast under the stairs. Legitimately, one of the the creative inspirations behind what I do in my show. So yeah, there is a, there is always that level of apprehension and nerves that sink in just before I record with you guys. <laughs> That's very Aww. touching. That sounds like bullshit. <laughs> I keep forgetting I do stuff with Bo like every single week now, so right. he's he hears the other side. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, do, I, I get it. Like, yes, in the bottom. Oh, Mister Data. <laughs> Hello, Mister Data. It's the. Anyway. Uh, it is. It is the the monolith that is devour the podcast. Um, you know, I've, I felt the same way because I'd worked with uh, when I, the couple times I've done Midnight Horror Show. Um, yep. I've worked with those guys separately, but you know, coming to coming in on that show is kind of daunting. 
um, especially because I've been a fan of theirs for a very long time. So the pro- they're also savages. Yes, they are. Holy shit! If you don't, if you're not on your A game, you're you're fucked. Yeah. So, <laughs> thankfully, they're off the air at the moment. Uh, yeah, they are. Which is yeah, is gives there... me a break. It's one less show I need to do. Which is. Yeah. Are they talking about coming back or? Uh, eventually, eventually, okay. it's um, it's doing its usual every three and a half year like Hiatus, break up yeah. for however long. Yeah, it will eventually return. Yeah. But I enough about talking before. about other shows. Yeah. Let's talk yeah, about yeah, your yeah. show. You're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back. Um, and as we announced, or as I announced on the Twitter, or no, well, on Instagram actually. Jesus Christ, fucking social media. Um, we have <laughs> all the these next... new platforms of appearance. I know. <laughs> oh God. So we have uh, the next two episodes, uh, one nineteen and one twenty, are planned out. Um, we'll be doing Ganjan Hess for one nineteen and. Oh, nice. Demon Knight for 120. Uh, we have guests for both of those shows. I'm yeah. just drawing a blank on who they are right now. <laughs> they are mammals. You can be yes. assured of that. Um, Ganja it, Hess is a, a hugely underrated movie. It's yeah. Amazing. I don't remember. I think Vanessa's coming on for that one. Uh, that sounds a bit right. She's a big fan of that movie. So. Yeah, I think she's coming on for that one, and then Ashley is coming on for uh, Demon Knight. Nice. Yes, because she's uh, also been a big supporter of the show for a long time, and she was very excited when I announced Gonjon Hess, and I was like, "Do you want to just come on the show? Because that would be fun." She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "All right, cool. Pick a movie." So that's why we're doing Demon Knight. I didn't which get I've never voice. seen. <laughs> Why is everyone else getting choices here? I got told I was doing 31. What yeah. have I done to offend your people? Uh, <laughs> I've got two motherfucking words for you, McLeish. Hellraiser 3. How about oh! That? Yeah, it's real shit. <laughs> oh, boy. It's real shite. Yeah. At least I didn't get Hellworld. <laughs> yeah, I, for, for, you, uh, Thank I might, might spin this off to a slight explanation. Um, oh, yeah. My my listeners decided that it'd be a great idea to. I put up this idea. Let's do let's do a franchise. Let's get guests on. It'll be great. It'll be so much fun. And the sadistic shower of bastards all voted for Hellraiser. Um, so what I decided to do was get put an open call out for nine guests and then play Russian roulette with it. Drew the guests out a hat and that determined what order they're appearing on. So some people ended up with some really, really, really bad movies. And Bo ended up with a movie which has a Cenobite that throws CDs from its head. I mean, I, I don't know what you're complaining about. That's it, cool. Just to tease that episode, we will pinpoint the exact frame of cinema <laughs> in which the Hellraiser franchise becomes utter shit. Yep. Yep. It happens in Hellraiser 3 and it yeah. never recovers. Yeah, he's right. He's absolutely right. I like 4 and I like 5 as well. The, the, five, the more time is going on, the more five. I like 5. I like 5. 4 is a clusterfuck. 4 is a clusterfuck and it goes into space, which is always bad. Unless <laughs> Jason X. The exception oh, to the rule. Right? Mm. Yeah, that and is... I mean, I got, I got a shitty one, but mine's at least just like... I vaguely remember Deader being just a bad movie that Doug Bradley shows up in for like 10 minutes. <laughs> that one's just real boring. Do you guys right. remember when I was going through that franchise a couple years ago and I was watching, I was clocking Pinhead with a, <laughs> oh, with a yeah. stopwatch? 
And I was posting on Facebook. I was like, you know, here's the total pinhead for this movie. Significantly shorter and shorter. Yeah, it did. It did. You could you could watch it trend down. That was really fun, actually. That was the best part about watching that fucking franchise was doing my Facebook post. Yep. (laughs) So yeah, Bo is uh, Bo will be joining Duncan for episode uh, for Hell um, Hell on Earth, and then I will be joining for part seven, Debtor. Thank fuck I didn't get Hellworld. Deader's the one about the cult, isn't it? Yes. It's, yeah, the, the, oh, cult the real dumb Batman. resurrection cult. With um, with cutie patootie, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, Kari uh, Wurr? Yes. That's right. Yes. Who is totally wasted in that film? Everyone is wasted in those mm. movies. I, I'm not sure how on board I am for like. Kari Word deserves better, goddammit. She's adorable. She She's does. She's cute as I a like button. No, no doubt about it. But I mean, we all saw eight-legged freaks here. Like, like, let's be honest with one another. Actually, She's I didn't. She's pretty. Come on, she was the gypsy girl in Thinner. I mean, that's like Oscar performance right there. You know, when she <laughs> spit on the guy. My, my. Oh my! Oh, oh, papa! Oh, mama! Whatever she fucking said, I don't even remember. Right, with yeah, such memorable lines as "Oh, mama!" I don't remember what the fuck she, she says. She was hot as fuck. <laughs> I do remember her being hot as fuck in that movie. Like, I'm only pointing out what you're saying. I'm not. I know it. I'm not on the attack here. Do you know how many years? Put up with you subtly insulting me by just that... pointing out what I've just said. <laughs> um, Damn your at least five, though. right? But I'm I, aware I grew up in the in the '80s, the area, the era of the observational comic. I can't help it; it's in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have three I, minutes. All I'm all, asking all is that on occasion. On a all I'm asking is that on occasion you put some actual effort into the insults. <laughs> just saying every oh. now and again, well, it's okay to let some things slide. <laughs> you know, no, that's, that's the opposite of what she just said. She was like, you need to get after it. Quit, quit picking just... the, the low-hanging fruit and work for once in your life. And I get it. I understand. <laughs> Not wrong. Ah. Oh, dear. Told you right off the rails right at the start. Yeah. No, this is exactly why I brought you on for this episode. (laughs) So, this is not punishment. Hey, Jamie. This is a celebration. What what have you been watching recently? (laughs) God God bless. uh, We'll try to get this show back on the tracks. Right. We we watched a YouTube review of the movie Exeter um, yesterday. And I was like, oh, well, that, you know, I'd give it a go, you know, oh, and so it's movie. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. And I, <laughs> as I'm watching this, and it's a, it's a possession film that takes place in an abandoned mental hospital. And these these uh, like five kids, they have this huge party there and then everybody goes home and then these five kids are left and they end up like awakening this demon and there's like a twist at the end, but it's not really much of a twist because you see the fucking thing coming from like midpoint of the movie i think but anyway the while we're watching this i mean from the very beginning like the first frames of the film i'm like oh my god this looks like they had the set designer from texas chainsaw massacre remake <laughs> and i we all have heard about how i feel about the sets on that um but um 
And I'm watching, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it looks like Nispel. It fucking was. It was Marcus <laughs> Nispel. And I'm like, oh, God, I hate that guy. <laughs> Only I didn't, ah. It wasn't confirmed until the I was watching the credits at the end of the film. And I'm like, it fucking was him. And I just, I can tell his direction from 30 miles away. And um, anyway. But he looked like he had about $12 to make that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had Stephen Lang, and that was it. Like, he, that was his entire budget, I think, was thrown at Stephen Lang to pray that, to play this priest. And it just, you know, it was, they had some interesting gore effects at times. But to be honest, the whole thing was just really boring to me. I, I didn't feel like anything was happening. I... Um, and a, here's a big fuck you to the Bloodbath and Beyond guys for recommending that film. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm just, I love them. That's a great show. I just, uh, and their foot is just, oh, God. That <laughs> is, it was not good. Um, on the other side of that coin, though, I finally got around to watching A Cure for Wellness. And holy shit, is that movie pretty. Um, it's very long. I will admit that it is really, really, really long. And you could probably chop out 20 to 30 minutes and not change anything at all. I mean, I can think of big giant clips of things that you can cut out and it really won't change how the film turns out. However, I thought it was so beautiful. I love the score. I love the way it looked. I really just, I enjoyed myself watching it. So I had no difficulty at all with the runtime, but that is the that is the biggest complaint that I've heard other people make, and I totally get it. But I thought it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. So that's pretty much what I've been doing recently in the last few days. Yeah, oh, and we I saw Wonder Woman. Oh, nice. That was excellent. I still need to get my ass out there. I want to go see it comes at night. That's what we're planning to go to the theater to see on nice. Tuesday, not, probably. Not the Mummy. Uh, you know, this, <laughs> this, this is funny because I told Brian right before the movie was coming out, I said, look, I don't care what the reviews are for The Mummy. I want to go see it because I want this fucking universe to happen. And it's been it has started and failed once already with Dracula Untold. And I don't really care how bad this is. Maybe they're like DC. Maybe it's going to take them like a handful of movies before they finally get one fucking right, which they did with Wonder Woman. But I want to give them the opportunity. Like, I want to keep them pushing because I want to get deeper into this universe. I, I want this to happen. So I want to support this film. So he was begrudgingly, he was like, all right, whatever. All right, well, then the reviews <laughs> came out. And I said, do you want to go see this? I said, do you want to go see The Mummy this week? And he was, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, never mind. And he's like, your $6 is not going to help them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, Good point. And he's like, no, let me retract that. My $6 is not going to help them. And I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, so, yeah, we're not going to go see that in the theater. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing I'm kind of hoping, because I'm, I'm in the same boat. I don't really want to go to the theater to see it. But when it makes its way to VOD or whatever, and I finally do see it, because my expectations are set so low now, I might actually enjoy it. Um, I mean, but... maybe. The thing is, I love Tom Cruise. We both do. We both love Tom Cruise action films. And, I mean, I don't know. I've just I've just heard it that it falls flat in, like, every 
direction. And honestly, the trailers didn't look good to me. This is, to be 100% honest, I was never excited about this film. I never thought it looked good. I never thought it looked interesting. I just really want to push this because I... <laughs> I want this to happen, and I I think that as it goes, there are some good ideas down the road as far as like casting choices that I'm really excited to see. And so I wanted to get this one out of the way. I wanted to actually make some money so they don't abandon the project, and then hopefully things get better down the road. Does that make any sense at all? Oh yeah, yeah. But I I, I don't know that I'm totally on board with what they've announced and who they've announced. Um. I don't know that any of it has me all that excited, with the well, exception of uh, Bardem as Frankenstein's monster, I think is is cool. Let's put a pin in the uh, Dark Universe discussion for now. Okay, um, sorry. We have a news story about it, and we also have a question about it, so let's keep the discussion for the question. All right. Sorry. God, David, ever since we've been back, you've been on our case. Yeah. <laughs> Because when we're like, hey guys, let's do this as a as a quarterly thing. Okay, that sounds great. What happened? Nothing. Because <laughs> nobody stepped up. So now I gotta be a slave driver once in a while. <laughs> Fucking Ransdell doesn't answer the emails. Um, Speaking of Ransdell. I cannot step up. I have never been anything more than talent on this show. Right. You've always been wonderful. <laughs> one one oh. might even say a diva. <laughs> God damn it, Bo! What did you watch? They I watched. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. Um, I watched uh, Rings's the latest <laughs> in the oh. American. Rings. Why do you hate yourself, Bo? I was curious. Can I not have some no. curiosity? <laughs> uh, I did it too. I did. It. Yeah, it's. All right, I will. Uh, like, I don't think it's as rotten as I'd heard. I thought it was going to be incompetent. I don't think it's an incompetent movie. I just don't think it knows what the fuck to do with the Rings franchise, and as a result, just basically does a movie that is as tangentially related to, you know, uh, or Samara um, as as possible, and still technically kind of be a movie about this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it's a dumb idea for a movie. It's not a very good movie. I didn't hate it. Like I, I, as I was watching, I was like, yeah, they were trying to do something with this and it just doesn't work at all. And the performances aren't great. And, uh, big bang theory is in it for about 20 minutes. It was like, well, at least his character is kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> not to call him by his show's name, but I can't think of the actor's name. Um, I'm turning to my grandfather, Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki. Uh, you could have looked that up on the Googles. I probably could have, but I was already talking, and sometimes you just gotta hang on. Um, so I I watched Rings, and uh, I saw Split finally. Oh, oh, oh what did you think? Oh, we'll probably uh, hate you that watched this. Sorry, I think I came a little bit. <laughs> Somebody get a towel. She's a squirter. <laughs> hey, this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> uh, right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. A bad Manson towel. family. Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, well, seriously, what did you think? Sorry. Um, I really liked it. I'm I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about the ending completely. 
mostly because I'm not completely sure how I feel about Unbreakable um, and the prospect of more of that. I need to go back and watch it. It's just been too long for me to recall if I enjoyed it as much as I thought I did or uh, if I didn't care for it. Because I've even the recent M. Night Shyamalan stuff, uh, like I wasn't a, a big fan of The Visit. I thought it was okay. And I thought having the kid get his face, uh, <laughs> get, get a, a dirty diaper in the face was pretty rad. Like I was on board with that scene quite a bit. But uh the movie as a whole, I, I was only kind of lukewarm about. Um, I thought Split was really good. I thought James McAvoy um, is a, a very, very talented actor, and he gets to show off a little bit, um, and that was fun to see. Um, I thought, uh, what's her name, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, was quite good as well. It remind me, reminded me a bit of, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane in terms of the claustrophobia of the movie. Um, but I did like the fact that it gets outside those walls enough to not feel too contained as a film. And uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it, it was super entertaining and you know what that movie is like an hour 47, something like that. It's not ridiculous long. Uh, had a great time. No, I thought that it absolutely yeah, fine film. I'm glad. Yeah, you are correct. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> then when we get into my controversial love of the movie 31 later, I can pull back <laughs> to this moment. Like, oh, <laughs> Clearly, I'm a big defender. Uh, <laughs> stupid fucking movie. Um, <laughs> you are playing it real fast and loose with that term movie. Oh, yeah, this... This could be a case of this isn't really a movie. Yeah. <laughs> have to dredge up the old incomplete rating um, for for this thing. Anyway, but David, what have you been watching? Uh, or Well, should we go to our guest? I, I, I yeah, feel- let's go ahead and go to our guest. Duncan, what have you watched recently? It's not, not like Bo to completely just ignore me. And- <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Um, I recently... I've been on a bit of a a, a jolly binge. Um, mm. I, I'm, I go through phases of that, but um, we're in this great time period just now that a lot of labels are releasing fantastic prints of these movies. Mm. Uh, yesterday, the 4K restoration print of Dario Argento's Bird with a Crystal Plumage came out from Arrow. I and I watched that. that yesterday. That movie, like for for a debut movie, that movie's incredible. Um, I mean, it's it's shot wonderfully. Actually, I think as Argento Jallos go as well, because it's the one that he really <laughs> is the one that he sets the, the template to, which he basically copies pretty much in every movie going forward from that one. I still think it's just a really well crafted mystery. Um, and I, I just, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where it just feels so strong and confident, a first movie. And you see how these these directors, like, have the longevity that they do um, for, for the time period. When you think of, like, the Masters of Horror and you think about their, their opening films, they all tend to be fairly strong and fresh feeling, even though that, you know, that genre itself had been around for, for several years before, like, Argento puts his stamp on it and really kind of kind of takes the, the mantle of it off, off Bava and continues on with it. So check that one out. It was excellent. 
um, watched uh, Blood and Black Lace because I was on the binge, so go get some Bava in there, Be a Blood, checking that one out again, uh, which is one that I, I think is, I know that Jamie has a bit of love for that one, I think it's woefully underrated, I mean, it really does kind of set out the template of, between that movie and Torso, I think between the two of them, you really get everything you need for what will become slasher movies, Uh in the late 70s, early 80s in America. Mm-hmm. So I checked out those ones. Um, went back to check out a movie which I'd only seen uh, once a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it, and then I started reading that some people didn't like it, and I thought, maybe maybe I was drunk, which is the excuse I use quite a lot, because um, I'm Scottish. Uh, so <laughs> I went back out to check um, Liam Gavin's A Dark Song, and yeah, that's in my top five for the year. I think that movie is fucking excellent. Um I, Wait, what's I know it uh, a dark song. I think a dark it's dark sun. No song. 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 Oh, <laughs> like a like the music Sorry, only it's... spoken like okay. a fucking retard. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I actually I saw that. Boy, I hate you. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I, hate's not strong enough. <laughs> like vehemently despise. Is kind of getting close to it. I'm surprised you could hear that from your high horse about Giallo cinema. Uh, <laughs> ah. Quite for, ah, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, watched a, we watched that film um, maybe last week, a couple weeks ago, something like that. What did that. you think? I enjoyed it. Um, I don't believe Brian liked it as much as I did. Ah. Yeah, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. I thought the the atmosphere was incredible in it. Um, I I know that our, our buddy Dave Z doesn't like the ending. He has said it's very much a Disney ending, and I can see where he's coming from with that to an extent. But I'm used to so yeah, many movies but... that were doing the kind of harsh fuck you ending um, that every yeah. now and again where something actually kind of works out in a fairly nice way for a character feels refreshing, which is weird. Um <laughs> You know, someone lives happily ever after. Wait one second. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Yeah, here? I mean, and even then, it's not like she came away completely unscathed. No, um, no. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I get where he where he's going with that. But I agree with you. On occasion, it. I mean, we don't have to be rolling around in sloppy happiness like we were in the eighties. But on occasion, it would. It's nice to actually have a, an ending where you can just sort of exhale. You know, like. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, after a while, uh, everything being so incredibly dark and and bleak gets old. You know, I I just like to shake things up a little bit. So I I really enjoyed that. So Mm -hmm. and I was I was happy that it ended the way it did. Yeah, I mean, that character is inherently plagued by things all the way through that movie that if you do that end and it really just feels like they hate that central character. You know, the writer just hates that character. Um, they're marred enough through it, so I think you can't you can get away with that. That that almost kind of the um if you if you almost look at it like essentially like a, a Greek trial, um at the end you have that sort of redemption for the character that comes at a cost, which which I like like I say, I really enjoyed. Bo, were you about to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> No, no, no. I, I was just gonna. I, I was thinking about what Jamie had said about uh, the the sunshiny '80s and and those endings. And I remember 
kind of complaining about that. I guess I'm the reason the pendulum swings because uh, mm-hmm. I complain forever about um, you know how how relent like horror movies just are, are are too afraid. They're too commercial, man, to do a really <laughs> dark ending. And now that's all you get in movies. Yeah. And I'm like that, that that's we were talking about the movie Get Out last week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, the original ending of that movie would certainly be the the real emo 90s ending that I kind of want in a way. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that that movie kind of has a happy ending, you know, yeah. I mean, ish, uh, certainly not the best possible outcome, but better than others. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like the trend now, but it, it's just got to be earned is all. To, to Jamie's point that I like, I don't want a happy ending that feels saccharine, but you know, if the hero lives, then just give me a good reason to believe they could. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's, that, that's certainly how I felt watching it. And uh, the, the director, Liam Gavin is um, one of the, he is the, the male serial killer in Sightseers, the Ben Wheatley movie. And he also stars in the movie. So the, it, it struck me as quite cool that both him and his co-star, who uh, is in the movie Prevenge, and she hmm. wrote and directed that movie, which, if you look at both those movies, feel very much like they have the touch of Wheatley over them, the way they're shot and the, the atmosphere in the movies, the sense of humour, certainly, um, that that's cool to see, like, these things. That, that To me, that's now the Ben Wheatley influence starting to impact British cinema, and that's exciting because, yeah, I've said it many times, I think he's one of the greatest filmmakers this country's produced in a long time, um, and it seems that other people are now starting to take that influence and bring it into their movies and take it in different directions, which, which I like a lot. So, yeah, I will now shut up because I have watched clearly too many jallies for Bo's liking. Um, <laughs> I don't want to don't want to sound like I'm up on my high horse too long. You can watch right, as many then. as you want. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> why I like Jamie and why I hate Bo. As long as Deep Red <laughs> is in there, then you know, you know, it makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> when I say hate Bo, I mean vehemently despise. <laughs> Glad we're taking sides so early. Um, <laughs> uh, shit. Cypress Hill had it right. If the shit goes down, you better be ready. Um, <laughs> what have you been watching, David? Um, I <clears throat> excuse me. I've not watched much. Uh, I watched whatever happened to Baby Jane for VD Clinic episode two, which is out now. Uh, people should have heard it by the time they're hearing this. And I watched uh, The Thing for tonight, which I think is a movie. We'll get to that later. Uh, I also watched about half of Crystal Lake Memories again, um, because I've been playing Friday the 13th on Xbox Live. And that game is real fun. It's a little buggy as shit. It is so goddamn buggy, but it is fun as fuck when it works. <laughs> like I bought it, I bought it launch weekend, and I knew it was gonna be fucked launch weekend because, of course. Um, but I got into a few games launch weekend, which were really good and fun. Uh, they patched it; it's still buggy as shit. Um, and I think they, the last patch kind of tweaked some things that aren't great. 
Um, but it's a super fun game regardless. And it's kind of exactly what I wanted it to be, which is, you know, counselors versus Jason. How many times yeah. have you gotten to play Jason? Uh, I've played Jason a handful of times, maybe. Uh, I want to say, let's see, I'm at level, level up to 18 at this point, I think. So I've probably played maybe, if I, if I played 50 games, I think I've played Jason maybe, maybe 20 times. Take. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's actually more than I expected that you'd get the. Yeah. Um. Typically, most of the, most of the groups I've played with have been random Jason. Um. So, and if you go into your settings, you can. Love <laughs> so this uh, idea, random Jason. Well, yeah. Like it's it, it's uh, well. It's <laughs> what are you doing this weekend, chosen. boy? He's skateboarding random. Yeah. Radical Jason. <laughs> that's what um, that's what they say about Jason, man. That dude is random. Yeah. Um, so in, it, within your personal settings, you can set it for your preference for which you want to spawn as more frequently, uh, counselors or Jason or neither. Um, so if you set it for Jason, you'll get Jason more frequently, which actually does work. Um, but yeah, I've played, uh, I've played with, uh, part three, Jason. He's probably the, the most like user friendly for starting out because he, he can run his, all his cooldowns are pretty pretty even for his powers um and yeah he's got a pretty good speed and he's got a pretty good grip um and he has a machete or no he has an axe and that does pretty good damage um i've unlocked part two jason i think i've unlocked uh all of them except for part eight and part nine that are available so yeah, and jason yeah. x is coming i hear. i think so i hope so because currently you can play as two, three, six, seven, eight, and nine. You can't play yeah, as one Jason, he... just a little bald mongoloid chasing no, people around. Sadly, no. <laughs> Scurrying about I would after love to see, uh, monkey. Get out! I would love to see Pamela Voorhees show up. That would be awesome. I'd love to see Roy show up. Um, just because, why not? Uh, Tommy Jarvis is in the game. It's um, he's modeled on Tommy from Part Six, which is my personal yeah, favorite. Yeah, Tom the Matthews. Tommy. Yes, Tom Matthews, um, and he does a little bit of voice work for it, which is cool. Um, hot tip: people who play Tommy are real fucking bad at it. So Tommy so is a uh, tip as a complaint, but go on. Yeah. So um, the Tommy is can be called into the match. Uh, if you find the, there's a typically a cabin with a radio in it, and if you can activate it, you can call Tommy into the match. Tommy has killer stats. He's a ten across the board, um, and he has a shotgun. Typically, Tommy comes into the match if someone has escaped or died. So the idea is Tommy right, is supposed to come in and the... save the the rest of the idiots who are still alive. <laughs> Let me tell you how many times I've seen Tommy just get murdered. As soon as he walks on the fucking map, because he's an idiot. Um, I've seen Tommy accidentally murder other counselors with a shotgun. It happens. Oh my god! Because, it's a high-pressure uh, situation. You cannot. Well, a gun so... in anyone's untrained hands is going to be deadly. If if Jason picks up a counselor, you can hit Jason with something, and that will break the animation, and they can escape. Every idiot who picks up a shotgun. It doesn't matter if, it, if they're playing Tommy or another counselor, they will inevitably accidentally kill whoever's in the grip of Jason because they can't fucking aim properly. 
and realize you shouldn't be using the goddamn shotgun when he's gripping someone because it's not going to end well. Um, yeah, it's oh my god, that game is amazing. Um, <laughs> the local the voice the voice chat is probably the best because if you get a group of people together who are actually funny, it's hysterical. Um, the people who playing Jason who do funny sh- who do like weird shit over the mic are the best. Um, I did one game where I was running around as Jason, uh, asking people if they if they knew about Jesus. He was evangelizing. <laughs> that was probably my favorite that I've done. Have you heard the good news about Jason? Okay. Because <laughs> I was I was across, I was running up to a house, and these guys are like, "Nobody's home. Go away. We're not in here." And I was like, "Have you heard the good Have you heard the good word about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ?" They're like, "No, leave us alone." So I just kept chasing them around. Everybody, everybody I came across. Like, have you heard the good, the good the good news? And they're like, No, go away. It's very fun. Uh so yeah. That's what I've Go watched. away, we're not in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good when it works. Uh unfortunately it doesn't work very often because it fucking connection times out. Oh god. Bad net code. Yeah. All that. yeah, yeah. It's broken. But it's super fun when it works. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that is uh, that is what I've been watching, what I've been playing, and yeah, we've covered what we're doing for the next two shows. Um, I'm pretty sure I already talked about the. Uh... Oh no, I didn't. Last episode, I did. Um, uh, for those who obviously anybody, I would have seen it already because I posted on Instagram and shit. Uh, the old devourer feed is fixed, and yeah. So if you are subscribed to the old. Devour the podcast iTunes feed that is up and running again and working, and I'm Yay. going to work on Yay. getting the old episodes back up. Uh, Jerry Esposito actually helped me with the most recent ones that I did not have. Um, I Thanks, think Jerry. Only, I think he was missing maybe one or two, but that's not a big deal. Um, the ones that were important are there, so awesome. I think we might be missing a couple from. I don't know. I'll double check again, but I know I'm missing like two or three. But I think they're like one-offs of something, so it may not be that big a deal. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, I think we're ready to get into the news. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Oh. Uh, oh. We'll be right <laughs> back. Be so happy to be. <laughs> it's brilliant. I know, right? it's the she does. She's like, yay! I am happy today. David Richardson, owner of Richardson Studio is a postmodern surrealistic sculptor hailing from Colorado whose work has been in Gothic Beauty magazine, Amazing Figure Modeler magazine, and at many art exhibits across the U.S. and abroad. His works have even been recognized by the great Guillermo del Toro. He's currently collaborating with Clive Barker in a few sculpture projects, including a limited edition aluminum cast wall hanger based on Clive's 1997 sketch V for Vice Versa, which was published within his A to Z of horror book just released for Halloween was a pewter skull medallion that tributes Clive's Sumi sketch and also comes in a limited edition bronze casting. They can be purchased at the official Clive Barker store. Please check out more of David's sculptures and jewelry at DaveRichardsonArt.com and follow him on Twitter at SculptorDave. Be quiet a second, will you? It's 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 9 o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. 
I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. Game over, man. Game over. Your mother sucks cops in hell. And we're back. It's time for the news once again. Uh, first up, uh, Amityville, The Awakening, will no longer hit theaters this month. How about that, Bo? That was more than four words, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Amityville, The Awakening, is officially off the summer movies list. Weinstein Company and Dimension Films are moving Bloomhouse's Amityville, The Awakening, yet again, and there is no new release date set. The film stars Jennifer Jason Lee. Bella Thorne, Cameron Monaghan, Thomas Mann, and Kurtwood Smith, and was set to bring back a classic horror franchise. Amityville The Awakening offers a revival of the popular franchise and a modern twist on the classic <laughs> classic horror film. In How many was that? Poetic justice, that's what that is. <laughs> he's just, li- I know he's over there lying in wait. He's like, come on. <laughs> Flub it. Flub it. <laughs> I never root for in failure. <laughs> well, then you'll never make money off me. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't bet on failure. I don't root for it. In the film, <laughs> Belle and her family move into a new house, but when strange phenomena begin to occur in the house, Belle begins to suspect her mother isn't telling her everything and soon realizes they just moved into the infamous Amityville house. You know, that wouldn't have crossed my mind if I moved into a town called Amityville or something. Like, I wouldn't have been like, hey, is this the same house? Have you you guys ever had a horror here? (laughs) Maybe one named after the whole damn town? (laughs) Yes, no. Yes, you have. Foot in this house. Right. Is there a fly problem with this house? Because I would, <laughs> I think I recognize this. The film has all, this is kind of funny because we just finished reading the Amityville horror book, the Jay Anson book. Um, I've read it a couple times before, but every few years I like to dust it off and give it another read because I actually do think it's an entertaining story. It's, Kind of creepy. Yeah. It, it, no, it's absolutely scary to read, but don't believe a word of it. it <laughs> is the film has already gone through a number of release dates, beginning with January 2015, which did <laughs> well, then April of 2016, then January of 2017, because they're like, we're going to start this movie off in January. And then, no, no, you know, we're, we're going to get, look, do it April. Do April. It's not that bad. And then, like, you know what? No. Very. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and now it's not not even good enough for January anymore of just like, ugh, we're going to have to invent a month to put out shitty movies <laughs> just to put Amityville out. We're going to call it Smirch. You can't, <laughs> you, can, you can, however, check out the trailer, uh, which has been online for a year. In, um, you know, look that up. Check out the trailer. It's directed by... Frank Calhoun, who is known for his work on films like P2, because <laughs> yeah, um, I actually didn't think that was bad. I, 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 
that's sort of an under talked about film, but I didn't think it was all that bad. Um, Maniac and I lived. Yeah, I really like Maniac as well. I, I kind of, I was excited originally when they announced that they were doing this. I very much to to disagree with what the article say said there. I would struggle to use the words Amityville series and classic in the same sentence. Right. Um, I think that one goes right off the rails very, very, very quickly. I've, I I was interested. The longer time has went on has made me think that there's a very good chance that maybe the studio knows something that we don't know, which is it is really bad, and why they've not. Because Blumhouse is you know the production company behind it. I'm surprised that they've not just pushed it. Just dump it on Netflix, right? You know, consolidate your losses. Dump it on Netflix. Your movie will be seen a lot there, even if it's good or not. Um, and move on. You know what I mean? Move on and let and let the let the movie at least come out. The danger is that it'll eventually get leaked, um, and then you can't control how the movie's viewed. So, right. just get it out. Uh, at, th- at this stage, it's the longer this goes on, the more you build up the kind of Mandy Lane situation in the yeah. movie, and it goes on far too long. And then people's interest either wanes or it gets to the point where people think this movie is being restricted for all the wrong reasons. Uh, you know, like this is like some lost master- masterpiece that will eventually reach um, your TV screens and stuff. Yeah, just at this stage, you you know, they might as well just do that. There will be other reasons behind it. It does not surprise me the Weinsteins are involved. I mean, they're notorious for just shelving movies and projects. Um so yeah, I, I don't. I, it's, it's a shame. I, I don't think movies. Sh- there's no point in going through that process and making a movie just to keep it shelved away somewhere. I, I don't see the purpose. No, of I mean that. you may as well try to get some return on it. You know, mm-hmm. um, while you can, uh, it's um, what's that? What? What's that found footage movie that? Oh crap! Pekipsi. The Poughkeepsie mm-hmm. tapes has still never yes. had a has still yes. never had a release, which is crazy. I mean, that movie's almost ten years old. Everyone has seen it, mm-hmm. yeah. and so that right there, no one has made any money off of that movie because everyone has seen it Good. and they didn't actually release it. So, Shush. <laughs> the movie shit. <laughs> that great. Movie. Oh, I like it. I think it's quite. I like it. I like it a lot. It's shit. So. Megan, Megan is missing was a better movie, and Man by oh, the Star Megan is, is also missing better. Is so boring. Did you finish it? <laughs> yeah, I got you... through. I watched Megan is missing, and everyone told me it was the most harrowing story that I've ever seen. No, the watched ending it. is fucking harrowing. The, yeah, but the it, it doesn't mean I have to. Be, the beginning is pretty boring as shit, but I mean it builds up to the ending. <sighs> fucking. In please. an ideal world, someone with a sniper rifle would have killed those kids at the start. <laughs> so I don't have to. Spent so much obnoxious time with them. It was getting to the point that I would have abducted them. Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, 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 if we're talking about abducting kids, we can't record any of this. Oh, right. We're Sorry. not talking um, about abducting kids. We're talking about the news, which involves Amityville not coming out because... Not coming out. It's, you know... Oh, jeez. I forgot Grandpa was on the line. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the, Back the, on, the, stay on task. The, stay on task. Jeez, finally something we could do together as a family. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the, the bouncing okay. release dates probably have to do with like some kind of weird contractual thing with the Weinsteins because they're probably the ones who are like, oh yeah, it has to be in theaters or something, which could be why it keeps bouncing, but mm-hmm. at this point it's like, yeah, you guys have bounced this thing like four or five times just fucking do something with it well or I mean, the 
one other possibility could be that they recognize the movie maybe is is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're actually looking at Amityville as a property um, that they might want to, you know, franchise, if this isn't going to give them the launching point, it's possible, you know, depending on the budget of that movie, they could just kind of shelve it and do another one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which is what, I mean, the, the Weinsteins are known for buying up yeah, yeah, like true. movie projects, and just put you know shelving them because they have a project that is very similar that is coming out in that year. You know, like that maybe they have another ghost movie right. <laughs> coming out that year, so they they deliberately go out the way to purchase movies which are competition and then make sure they're never seen. Which, um, like I said yeah, before, I think is like father, like son, vice versa situation. Yeah, I just, I, I just at this stage, I think. <laughs> You do you do yourselves more harm not not doing that, you know, to, to everyone. I know, like, just don't put it out in theaters. In there, there are that excuse no longer flies. There is a business model which is out there now that you don't have to. You can get your movie seen all across the globe yeah. uh, without having a huge marketing campaign and a push for cinematic runs. Just put it out on a streaming. Oh, yeah. platform pick one of them and go with it whether it's something like shudder or or netflix or give it to amazon or you know that there, mm. there are mechanisms out there for them to do that uh which yeah they won't make their money back but at the same point it's not going to be as commercially volatile as doing some sort of marketing campaign and trying to release it limited in theaters i i the the longer it goes on, I, I like I say I've got no vested interest in this at all. Oh yeah, probably. I like the I like the director, but the trailer had did nothing for me. Um, but I just think at this stage, just put the movie out. I, I, the, you're gonna end up there's there's so many movies recently that went through this kind of weird situation. Whether it's Clown that was released in the UK almost a year and a half before it was released in America, yeah. um, where which you could download where it was released everywhere except the UK. Um, I don't even know if it's out in the UK, but all these movies are out there now, and it does not take much for them to find their way to a torrent site, and then by that point you've lost control. So, yeah, um, yeah there you go. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole, the day and age of people staggering releases uh, worldwide is that should be gone. Uh, that is a stupid move on anyone's part these days. Because all you're going to do is end up costing yourself. Mm-hmm. And we've seen examples of that. You just named two very good ones. Um, both excellent films that when people were, once people had seen them, they were not only saying, uh, um, yeah, you should check these movies out. They were vehemently saying, you need to see these movies because they're good. So people who hadn't, who had not had them released in their areas yet were going out of their way to try to find these films. Now, if they had been easily accessible, if they had been released in their areas, then that's bank. You would have been making money. But mm-hmm. because you decided to stagger your releases or do something stupid with it, then uh, you're missing out on all of that, and people are seeing them anyway. Now, in the case of Clown, for instance, when that came out, when that finally did come out over here, we supported it over here because we loved it that much. But uh, when it was released over here, that's not the first time we saw it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just, um, but yeah, we did love it. We just, we started pushing it again. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It, 
I, I don't understand what people think that they're doing sometimes these days. But, um, yeah, I mean, your idea about them having maybe something similar that they want to keep it, uh, keep it pulled back for that reason, that is, uh, that, that could be valid. That makes sense. Bo saying that maybe it's just because they realize it's not that good and they want to protect the property. That is valid. That could make sense. There are a whole lot of reasons, but, um, the, the one thing that doesn't add up is that they're so excited about how great this movie is that they're just picking the right date. <laughs> they're like, right. oh, the time has to be right. Like, the world's just not ready for this movie quite yet, but it's close. <laughs> like, that is the one oh, thing that I would say is an at... impossibility. You know how uh, films these days, they have their release dates nailed years in advance. Um, mm -hmm. Studios will have release dates nailed down, and they don't even have a movie to put in that slot. They're just like, we just all we know is we want to put something out on this date. We don't know what it is, but we want this date, because we just are really hard for this date. I don't know why. Um, so... Maybe they're looking ahead and they're seeing other things that are coming out on those dates and they're like, yeah, no, we can't, we can't compete with that. You know, I don't, yeah. I mean, they're like, yeah. change, like all the, all like if you were, if you were forecasting things this year, though, every horror movie that's went to theaters <clears throat> has overperformed, even the really bad ones, even the bye bye man. Like yeah. well, well overperformed what was expected. That movie is hot garbage. Um, <laughs> and you know, I it, it. yeah, completely my, my overperformed. Old from Brooklyn used to say, uh, "Smells like hot garbage." <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, every single one of them has done very, very, very well, and that's a trend that's going to likely carry right through this year. Um, it doesn't seem to have any fatigue at all. So even if you don't think your movie is good. Chances are you will still make um, a lot of money, depending on obviously how much it's cost to shoot in the first place. But if it's Blumhouse that's been involved with it, I can't imagine the budget was huge. They will make that money back. So that yeah, make, there's something there's something weird going on. Shenanigans is what mm -hmm. I'm calling it. Yeah. Speaking of Bye Bye Man, that movie that really hurt my feelings <laughs> because um, it was so poorly handled that. That, that's an actual there is so much actual history behind that story like real or yeah, legendy shit that they like, was on the show uh, my show reviewing it with me and told me the whole thing that is based on it and it sounded amazing yeah. and it then is, you watch the movie and it's just like exactly, exactly. they seriously they seriously fucked it up and i'm like god damn it how hard is it how hard is it to take something that already exists and mm -hmm. You know, just tell the story. Of course, we've learned that lesson from I Am Legend, I guess. <laughs> anyway, okay. Wait, hang on. Oh. Sorry, I'm sorry. They, I, I know the director fucking did something else that was awful. Which is why I was totally not surprised. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were basically we had to pull this segment because you knew the director. <laughs> no, of course, fuck that, no. Tell all the shit you want about Bye Bye Man. Bye Bye Man looked like it looked awful. Look oh, terrible. you should watch it. It's terrible. No, no, I'm yeah. good. Oh, they did Snoop Dogg's Head of Horror. That's why. I like Snoop Dogg's Head of it, Horror. I like it too, but it's, it's, it's shit. Like, let's be honest. It's a shitty movie. Yeah. Anyway. It's so grumpy today. I'm not grumpy. It really is. What's <laughs> happening? I will cut you. <laughs> I will cut you. Am I moving on to the next story? Yes. 
okay. I thought you said to hold on a minute. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I was, that was because I was trying to, because we were talking about Bye Bye Man, and I was like, I knew the directors were involved oh. in something else that was shitty. And so when I heard that they'd done that and it was shitty, I was like, huh, who did that? Oh, okay. That's why. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to connect those shitty dots. Yeah. <laughs> Make a shitty yeah. wall. Um. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on. Uh, the next story uh, Extreme horror film American Guinea Pig, The Song of Solomon, reveals first trailer. Unearthed Films main man, director and producer Stephen Barrow has just given the exclusive first look at the latest in his ongoing series of American guinea pig films, The Song of Solomon, a film that Barrow claims is steeped in his own adventures into devil dealings. As an author, Barrow has written several books on his dealings with the devil, starting with his memoir of his experiences, Hallucination. And then moving to Dialogue with the Devil and Satan Reborn. But real or not, The Song of Solomon is one sick and sanguinary piece of work. And there's an Indiegogo campaign to fund the release of the Infernal movie. Something's happening with my ethics. Have you noticed? (laughs) (laughs) How much much Fixident is in? (laughs) <laughs> I found like Fendi, Fendi Brady. <laughs> like oh, the youth will make yeah. the youth will make your tooth flip. Your tooth will <laughs> flip in the youth. <laughs> Sorry, what Brady Bunch movie? Right. <laughs> the song of <laughs> the song of Solomon is Bureau's take on the possession genre and features over the top effects work by Mark Koch from Odd Topsy FX and Jeremy Cruz from. Totag effects. The film stars legendary genre icon and frequent Barrow collaborator Jim Van Beber, an indie actress and filmmaker, uh, Jessica, <laughs> along with Bureau regulars Andy Winton, Scott Gabby, Gene Palubicki, and Maureen Allison. Bureau mm. himself also makes an appearance. Oh my God, please read the synopsis. Okay, the synopsis is as follows. Mary witnesses the brutal suicide of her father. His death unleashes the savage forces of demonic possession in his daughter. The end of days is upon the world. Famine, drought, looting, and chaos is ripping the world apart. And the Catholic Church is trying to save an innocent soul from the ravages of satanic possession. Wave after wave of holy men are sent to confront the possessed. But what is the holy church actually doing? The city on Seven Hills is working on the second coming of Christ, but before he comes back, the Antichrist must rule for seven years. The Song of Solomon's true nature is to unleash an evil the world has been waiting for since the beginning of time. Oh my god, I think I'm bleeding because that fucking snooze story was too edgy for me. <laughs> I'm just going to see you're that see... guy. You're Holy shit. None of that in that movie. All you're going to see right. is going to have like a Star Wars intro credit that reads out all of that, and then the majority of the movie will be set in two rooms. Probably. <laughs> because, <minimal>. again, <laughs> it's it's like, another honestly. fucking American guinea pig movie. Come on. I didn't... I didn't <laughs> all right, so first, I think I know... I'm, I'm certain we talked about the American guinea pig story the last time, or at some point on this show, when the first one was coming out. 
And I pointed out, that's real fucking stupid. Because there's no fucking story to the guinea pig movies. Like, the first two or three, they're they're fucking tech demos. And that's fine if you're into watching weird Japanese special effects things. Which, they're kind of neat for what they are. But why? Why? Why would you do this? And the first one was fucking sounded too edgy for me. And this one is like fucking even more too edgy for me. It's like, dude, it's just, it's like this guy and the fucking guy who did those stupid slaughtered vomit doll movies. It's just like, ugh, just fucking stop. This shit sucks. Don't forget August Underground. I like the first August Underground. No. I don't understand you. I get, I I understand. Unwatchable garbage. You are incorrect. (laughs) Whatever. I appreciate what he was trying to do. I would appreciate it I, if I he had see, never tried. I understand, <laughs> <laughs> I understand what he was trying to do, but I do not appreciate it. I know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Incidentally, for if there are any new listeners out there who have not heard our <laughs> our foray into that series, I recommend checking it out, if for nothing else than the comedic value of Bo just dipping. He's yeah, like... Pull quite after one movie. <laughs> I don't. I remember, took a stand. Yeah, I don't remember how far back those are, and I don't know. Well, once I full <laughs> quit, the and then decided to watch instead of it another shitty movie. Yeah, he watched an asylum movie. <laughs> it it only seemed fair, and in my defense, I I guarantee you there is more uh, cinematic quality involved in the creation of the day the the Earth stopped. <laughs> Yeah, well, and we also, I don't think Jamie and I, either of us finished the second one. I did yeah. not. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I fast-forwarded through quite a bit of it <laughs> on <laughs> uh, watching on watching fast-forward, and I would wait until I saw lips moving, and then I would stop and listen to the dialogue, and then I would <laughs> fast-forward a little more until I saw lips moving. and I was bored to tears. Uh, that was terrible. Yeah. Okay, well, I am not looking forward to that movie, so I don't care. <laughs> the, the guinea pig one I mean yeah. you could have you can have all of the end of the world crap thrown in there that you want to and you could even um, bring in Gabriel Byrne as Satan with, and um, I would just not watch it so. who was although the, Gabriel Byrne's really hot who was the horror veteran that they mentioned like, I feel like I the Ben, I, ben Beber. Yeah, Jim Van Beber, who made the Manson family, and that'd be the Don. Like, he's an indie filmmaker, so he's known for that, if you know, like, super underground, like, late 80s, early 90s, no-budget filmmaking. So, All like, right, Doug well. Tilly probably knows who the fuck he is. Like, <laughs> I would guarantee you that Doug and Mo both know who Jim Van Beber is and would probably sing his praises. Or at least, yeah. I just think yeah. I just think people are too too eager to throw in the words like legend oh, <laughs> these yeah, days. No I don't know. It just seems like, like you're not a legend. Queen. You're not you're not a legend if I if like seven people on the planet know who you are. Right. <laughs> I would say failed legend. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm. I've not watched. If all any it of takes is movies, seven so. people, then I am a legend. <laughs> but you are a legend, Jamie. Also, you're not a scream <laughs> queen if you have a whole bunch of people following you on Instagram. Just saying. 
Just saying. I I I agree. I agree. People have been that's both of you. People are throwing around titles and and accolades way too much these days, and it's just like being I don't know. Being internet famous is not the same thing as being actually famous. And yeah, I mean, a legendary. You know, it's like ah, I have a big Instagram following. Ah, shut the fuck up. Yeah, nobody gives a fuck. Hot takes. Hot takes here at ETP. Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> kill baby. Kill. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Duncan, I'm pointing yes. this one at you. Mm-hmm. Kill baby. Kill Mario Bava's classic supernatural mystery be coming from Arrow in September. Yeah, I pre-ordered it already. Ah, uh, shut up. I'm trying to. <laughs> I try to bring you something that's going to make you happy, and you just shoot me down. No, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that you, you mentioned that again. I'm sure you your wife was overjoyed. Yeah, my wife like asked me from. She's like, "How many movies?" Because she knows I post um, when Arrow are doing their announcement. She was like, "And and how many movies have you pre-ordered?" <laughs> and I was like, "Just a few." And she's like, "How many's just a few?" And I was like, "All but one." <laughs> And she's like, yeah, but that's still not an answer. Um, to which I started to cough and then had to leave the room. So, Very sneaky. It was. It was, it was expertly. <coughs> <coughs> and then at the room. See how that does should it? should have had a twitch. Yeah, very nice. Sounded legit. Yeah, the famous stealthiness of the Scots, they call it. Mm. It's what we're known for, that and holding a grudge. <laughs> To watch tread lightly around. It's just a very angry, angry country. <laughs> yeah. Live here for just five angry, minutes. See why. Yeah, I was about to say you would be angry pissed off. and drunk, and that is not a good combination. Yeah, it, you'd be pissed off if you lived in a place <laughs> where it was always rainy and cold, and you wore skirts all the time. Well, in fairness, if it was always raining and cold, I would be eternally happy because that's how I like my weather. Um, Me too. But yeah. And I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll overlook the Scott comment. I can make fun <laughs> of my own people. Shut up. <laughs> Kilt wearers. Yep. Anyway. I cannot make fun <laughs> of my own people. I mean, I wait, no. Yes, you, you, why I can we make, make fun, fun of the Southerners all the time? I know. I know. I know. That's not what I meant. <laughs> what I meant was I'm not Scottish, so I can't make fun of them, but I will do it anyway. Is what I was oh. going. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, oh, damn straight. I'll make fun of my own people. As a matter of fact, I'm about to do that when we get to this movie. Because, Hey-oh. yeah, yeah. If you notice where it took place, I'm real angry about that. Fumble <laughs> okay. fuck nowhere. And um, well, the only sign that I saw, the only state sign I saw in the credits was Georgia. Oh, okay. In the opening, like they did that montage of I, things. Okay, I wasn't. I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. God, it, th- th- this whole movie takes place in a bucket seat that's been claimed by rats. <laughs> I mean, spiritually speaking. Anyway, Mario Bava's got. <laughs> Kill Baby Kills yeah, coming to yeah, Blu-ray. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. In 19... Yeah. Uh, after a three-year hiatus, Maverick film in... Let me back that up. In 1966, after a three-year... Three God damn it. What the fuck? <laughs> three-year hiatus. In 1960s... See, Sing Duncan it. is sitting behind the curtain now. And <laughs> this never happens. 
<laughs> this happens all the time. In 1960s. <laughs> I just edit it out most of the time. <laughs> so the show just flows naturally and it's amazing and people have no idea of the fucking lunacy that happens. Oh. Until I put it into a Leftovers episode. Yeah, and then paint me up to be this huge racist, which is racist, exactly yeah. how it comes The hatchet job. And I am not. <laughs> it is. <laughs> You're like some reality show editor. <laughs> Listen, it was, the, it was what I was presented with. Like As someone, like, she dropped the M bomb so many times on that that outtake show that I actually thought she was a black rapper. <laughs> so that's the only justification for saying that word that many times. Just didn't oh, know her allegiance lay if she was uh, West Coast or East Coast. So you know, I, I've never said this before, but let him talk. <laughs> Okay. In nineteen sixty six, Mario Bava did some stuff. Okay. <laughs> he returned to his preferred stomping ground of horror, conjuring up a spine tingling tale of gothic terror whose influence would resonate within international horror filmmaking for decades to come. Now, Arrow Video is bringing that masterpiece back in a DVD Blu ray combo pack on September eleventh. We're talking about the immortal Kill Baby Kill. That's pretty good. Um, the special edition contents include a restored 2K high-definition digital transfer, a high-definition d- Blu-ray and standard-definition DVD presentation, original mono Italian and English soundtracks, English subtitles for the Italian subtrack, uh, soundtrack, <laughs> Optional English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. A new audio commentary by Tim Lucas, author of Mario Bava, All the Colors of the Dark. Mm. Ooh, I should read that. It costs a fortune, so uh, it's out oh, of is print. Oh, is it out of print? Yeah, oh. it's like $600 to get that Ooh. now. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's the definitive book on, on Bava. So. Oh. Well, I'll be expecting that from you sometime, Duncan. Ooh. Yeah, the, uh, the, the check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> the Devil's Daughter, Mario Bava and the Gothic Child, a new video essay by critic Kat Erlinger, Ellinger. Ellinger just kidding. Kill Bava Kill, an interview with assistant director Lamberto Bava. Yellow, semi Terrine's short film homage to the cinema of Mario Bava. Reversible sleeve featuring original and newly commissioned artwork by Graham Humphreys. Oh, we do like Graham Humphreys. <laughs> the first pressing <laughs> Was it only just a throw? <laughs> he did my poster what? from a, Yeah. He did my previous poster, Graham That's Humphreys. right, yeah. Yeah, kinda love that guy. Um, uh first pressing only has collector's booklet featuring new Writing critique by no 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 just kidding a new new writing by <laughs> by critic Travis Crawford I'm sorry they, this is very small <laughs> you can pre-order Kill Baby Kill from Arrow or via Amazon which Duncan apparently already has yep yeah <laughs> excited about that yeah they released that one and. Uh... A movie by Sergio Martino that I've not seen before, so 
was like, yay, Italian cinema. But I'm not allowed to talk about it anymore because Bo will accuse me of sitting on a high horse. No, 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 I stopped listening. <laughs> Arrow does really, really nice releases, but their region locking of their UK discs is fucking bullshit. Uh, one could, I think we've had this conversation before. Um, at least Arrow will post to the states if you buy from their store. Um, Screen Factory doesn't doesn't post to the UK, yeah. and they still lock all theirs as well. So, oh, well, I didn't. Yeah, that's right, I didn't realize that. Well. <clears throat> I spent the money on. Well, see, David doesn't thing. care about them re- region locking because no. that's that's in our favor. That's, that's, that, you know. that's affecting you. <laughs> this affects me. I had to spend money on another DVD player to play those discs. Four I discs. Bo- I got Bo to send me over an American Blu-ray player oh, so wow. I can play. Oh yes, he and he he had Jarvis uh, get the uh, the DVD player out for the pores. And now I can hear everything that happens in Duncan's house. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen some things he shouldn't have as well. <laughs> Where we're in, going, we in. don't need eyes to see. Which is what he said after he saw it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, my eyes. It became Sam Neil. So there you go. We okay, should be talking I've about got... eyes and not 31. <laughs> I tell you what we need to be talking about is I got one more fucking story and <laughs> I want to make right. it the news before I'm old. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I just now na- I just gave that natural pause. I was waiting for you to jump in there with that. I know you so well. I know. I'm. I, you know. You just keep tossing them up. I'll keep knocking them down. Yeah. Um. Okay. Final story. Um. I, I don't know what that is. What am I doing? I don't know. I've never done those things before. <laughs> it's the time of year. It's the natural human inclination to sing. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, this, uh, <laughs> I, this is in fact the final story just to prepare you. So, you know, that's coming. I have always liked to prepare you. All right. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> Okay, Phantom of the Opera and Hunchback of Notre Dame join Dark Universe. This is that story that David was talking about earlier that he made us shut up talking about the Dark Universe because we were coming to this story. Yes. And we also have a question. In May, Universal. Do do we, since this is the last, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, Bo, I'm (laughs) sorry. Do you want, what what were you saying, Bo? Well, I was going to say, it, since this is the last news story, do we want to just throw the question in as well and just talk about this dark universe nonsense? Yeah, might as well. Um, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. We'll okay. do a se- you, That'll be yeah, a, 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 a way to segue. Read the right. story, Jamie, and I'll get the, the uh, question. Okay. In May, Universal Pictures officially announced its shared universe of monster movies titled Dark Universe, which will kick off with The Mummy. Dark Universe was... or which has kicked off with The Mummy. Dark Universe was begun by core creatives Alex Kurtzman, who also serves as director and producer of The Mummy, and The Mummy producer Chris Morgan, also joining the inter- uh, of The Fate and the Furious, also joining the Enterprise to inspire and entertain a new generation or such visionary talents as Oscar winner Christopher McQuarrie of the Mission Impossible series and The Usual Suspects, 
and David Kep of War of the Worlds and Jurassic Park. In addition, the studio has confirmed that Oscar winner Bill Condon of Beauty and the Beauty and the Beast will direct the next Dark Universe movie, Bride of Frankenstein, from a screenplay by Kep. It opens on Thursday, February 14th, 2019. Goddamn, that's a long time away. All right. Um, yes, that's another thing issue I have with this. Way to plan your universe, people, that you're gapping them so far <laughs> apart that people are going to have lose interest by the time you get around to the next one. While the Bride of Frankenstein actress has not been announced, the studio and... The studio did reveal that Johnny Depp and Javier Bardem, who appear together in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, will star as the Invisible Man and Frankenstein's monster. And at these days, frankly, Johnny Depp being invisible is about the most I could ask for. <laughs> <laughs> but I guarantee you he will still find a way to plug in a stupid hat. Well, that's how you'll know he's on screen. Of course. <laughs> yes. Is he'll be like wearing some fucking cat in the hat hat and probably carrying just, a cane. It's just this floating phase just uh, across the screen. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Telling you. Yeah. They're joined by Tom Cruise as Soldier of Fortune, Nick Morton, and Oscar winner Russell. You know, that Nick Morton, Soldier, Soldier of Fortune, famous Universal Monsters character. Everyone loves him. And Oscar winner Russell Crowe is Dr. Henry Jekyll, who lead the all-star cast of The Mummy, along with all-star, along with Sophia Butella, the actress who embodies the title role in that film, while simultaneously ripping off the witch from Suicide Squad. Because does anybody else think see that connection yes. there? I mean, she looks exactly the same. I don't know. It just reminds me of her so much. All right. Now talking with fandom, Kurtzman has shared more characters that will be joining the Dark Universe. We know we're going to do... Fra this is him speaking. We know we're going to do Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Phantom of the Opera, Hunchback, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Invisible Man, he says. He added... There are characters with... And I don't think he actually sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> right, like, like he's some Victorian-era actor. They have to hear me in the back of the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are characters within those films that can grow and expand and maybe even spin off. I think that digging into deep mythologies about monsters around the world is fair game for us, as well and as well as connecting the monsters that we know to some surprising monsters could also be really interesting. I think he was just saying words there because I didn't, it, didn't <laughs> yeah. sound, it didn't sound cohesive to me. <laughs> incidentally, monsters, my monsters. <laughs> incidentally, my shouting monologue there has forced me to shit myself. <laughs> I bid you a good day, sir. Good day. You lose. Right. <laughs> That's what he tells by Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> and which other actors would he like to bring into the fold? He'd love to bring in Michael Fassbender, and then he woke up because after the mummy, Michael Fassbender said, "Ha ha ha! Fuck off!" Hey, uh, Michael Fassbender I'd was love... in fucking Assassin's Creed. Let's not. <laughs> well, that's yeah, 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think Fassbender thought that's how that movie would be when he signed up to do it. Or maybe he did. I don't know. I like Fassbender. <laughs> that movie is so CGI. There is almost nothing real in it. Yeah, it's a, it's a valid observation. And Charlize Theron. Ugh. And Angelina Jolie. Well, let's not stop there. Let's get them all in. She's often. Yeah, right. Uh, she has all, often been mentioned as the favorite to play the Bride of Frankenstein. I last heard that that was not happening anymore. So. Well, at its organizing principle, Dark Universe films are connected by a mysterious multinational organization known as Universal. the Mob. Universal. Universal. <laughs> <laughs> known as Prodigium. <laughs> Led by the enigmatic and brilliant Dr. Henry Jekyll, Prodigium's mission is to track, study, and, when necessary, destroy evil embodied in the form of monsters in our world. Working outside the ages of any government and with practices concealed by millennia of secrecy, Prodigium protects the public from knowledge of the evil that exists just beyond the thin membrane of civilized society and will go to any length to contain it. Yeah, whatever. Okay. But, uh, you mean like the story of the mummy? <laughs> All right. So, questions. Yeah. Get to the questions. Oh, dear. So, Joseph An uh, Anthony Patriciello. Thank you. He asked, related to a conversation with Bo. Uh, thoughts on the Dark Universe, uh, and how would you prefer they went? So now... Home. <laughs> <laughs> Go home, Universal, you're drunk. I can see why they're doing it. You know what I mean? It's like... But they're doing... Oh, so, uh, I, well, yeah. they're, well, doing well, it, they're doing it because they think they can make money doing it. If that means... They think they can make a lot of money doing it because yeah. what has been... Proving to be fairly well, not successful. Not if they keep fucking it up, they won't. Yeah, well, this is this is the bit they're not seeing though, because what what they're seeing is look what Disney did with Marvel. So they 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 get a lot of property, which all lies in one particular area, and then they create this huge overarching story, and people will buy into it. And these are big blockbuster movies, and we'll get you know a list celebrities in playing these roles and you know people will spend a lot of money and big theatrical experiences and we can plan out the next decade of cinema that's what they're planning on doing that unfortunately is really not what they're giving you though because i think when uh, uh joseph is raising that i think he's relating it back to a conversation that both me and bo had um, on a Twin Peaks episode recently where we were talking about specifically this sort of <laughs> this territory here, specifically the mummy, and we raised concerns. And the first concern is that who is this market for? Is it for you know? Is it for people that want to go and see action movies? If so, you're you've you've picked some weird movies to really kick off your your kind of franchise with. Um, the Mummy, regardless of how grand in scope you try and make it, is an inherently boring movie anyway. And then the next one to jump into is basically a love story. Um, so, I, you know, I, it's weird choices. 
And it's the the ones that they could have made money out of, i.e. Dracula, they've already fucked up. So it's... And you can fling as many A-star celebrities at these at all. Fundamentally, you need to know what your target audience is. You need to know the story you're telling. You can't just fling goofy names of weird organisations in the background. You know, every movie's going to be connected because Russell Crowe's going to come out in an after-credit sequence, drop a card telling them they're joining the fucking underground society of Perdim or whatever it was called, and then, you know, link them in with another... Which is exactly what they're going to do. It's, it's basically copying a formula that has been successful for one studio, but not really any other studio has pulled off what they're trying to do. And... Yeah, I, I ultimately do not see it going well. I mean, The Mummy's been out for what, essentially, it's had its weekend opening, um, and it's tanked. It has not done well. Well, uh, in, in fairness, it did pretty well um, foreign to internationally. the US. Yeah, yeah, the international market was pretty good for it. But it didn't do very well domestically here in the no, in the states. and it's not going. That's not going to. That's not going to build up. It's had its best. You know, as best as now, these movies do really well in the opening week, and if it's not setting the world on fire just now, universally critics haven't enjoyed them. Have said that it is a cookie cutter Tom Cruise movie, but a very bland one at that. And I'm with Jamie for the most part. I like Tom Cruise as an actor. Don't like everything he does, but he's he's a safe pair of hands. From everything I saw of the trailer, it literally looked like a Mission Impossible movie, but with a with like a female mummy in it. And to be honest with you, that's kind of that's not what I want to see with these movies. Um, at least with the Brendan Fraser movies, and you know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of them either. You got that kind of swashbuckling sort of comedy that carried into those movies as well, which I thought worked. You know, I, I worked well for those movies and it brought in like um, a, an audience of of kind of younger teenagers that that kind of got on board with them. This movie looks very, very, very serious. Um, and I just don't think they know their market at all. Um, you're not going to get horror fans excited by it at all. And that's kind of really the bread and butter here. And I don't think they're going to get the teenage market involved with it either because it's working with with properties that people are aware of but aren't really aware of um, at the same time. And it's done in such a like over-the-top, bleak, nihilistic way that I, j- I didn't look... I was watching it going, doesn't feel like the summer blockbuster I want to go and spend my money on. Um, and I'm with you, Jamie. I, I mean, I kind of think... I want to see anything that's good for horror is good for horror. And I kind of want to throw some money at it. Um, But by throwing money at these sort of movies, we're almost kind of giving the wrong impression to the studio, which is that, that this is what works. And this, I mean, you can do an extended universe. You can do something really well out there. You can do something really interesting. I just don't think the way they're going about it just now, um, as as remotely anything I'm interested with, and I am I've read, I'm one voice, but it turns out a whole hell of a lot of people are thinking like me on this one. So, and also, and if I you am wanna, one of them. Yeah, yeah it, if you want to go support a horror movie, then go support a horror movie. But I don't think that's what the Mummy is. It, it may have well, the title not. of a horror movie, but it's that's well, not what that inherent, film is. The inherent flaw with all of this shared universe shit 
and why it drives me so fucking insane is that everybody's trying to model it off what Marvel did and Marvel works for however well it works because it's about fucking superheroes. They're goddamn comic book movies. That's how you tell a comic book story is the ongoing thing. You can't just build, you can't just build cinematic universes the way Marvel does and expect it to work for every genre because it's just not how it fucking works. Hell, DC can't even do it, and it's the same genre. Mm-hmm. Eh. I hear Wonder Woman's good. I'm yeah. No, but, Wonder Woman is excellent. Yeah, but see, I, that's that's what I'm wanting here. I want Universal to go look. All right, this <laughs> is all right. Best case scenario, it makes money, but it makes money in the beginning because people are excited about the Dark Universe, and then it drops off sharp, just like Batman versus Superman, and. Then they'll say, and then they listen to the critics. And then they go, you know what? People were excited about the property. People wanted to see this movie. And then they hated it. What did we do wrong and how can we fix it? Except nobody was That's what I want this. to happen. That is what will never. And a lot of people, I am excited about the property. I'm not excited about this particular film. Although I did just read a Facebook comment from Sam Spade, listener, who said, that it, he just got back and it wasn't that bad. Like he's like, I don't. He's like, I liked it. I don't know what all the fuss is about. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really think it was all that terrible. So, I um, I don't know. I mean, uh, like I. I know you want it I, to I really be good. Do, as far as just, <laughs> I do want it to be good. I don't necessarily want this movie to be good because the Mummy has never been one of my favorites anyway. Like it doesn't no. bother me. Well, I also don't but the think ones they should have um, announced as what I really oh, want God. is Creature from the Black. I want them to do a Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> Everyone and that's all wants I that movie. About. Everyone wants that movie, and unfortunately, once again, the the likelihood of that movie happening is pinged on the success of movies which should not be the Mummy should not be the one that kicks off. The, no, they shouldn't. They, that no, was not at all. shouldn't. Oh that God, damn stupid. it! Stupid. That was a stupid movie. This Sorry, is, go. This is, yeah, no. The whole every because I've been watching these fucking trailers for the mummy, and it, it looks fine. Uh, whatever. I'll watch it on cable, or I'll rent it, or some shit. Who gives a fuck? But I watched something where they were talking about the like, the the Doctor Jekyll's fucking nonsense team or whatever, and it's just like, no, stop, fucking yeah. stop. You want to do your monster shared universe? Fine. You know what you do? You make a monster movie. You fucking pick one of them. I don't give a shit who. Just pick one and make a monster movie. And then you know what? You make another one. And you put some little things in there. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. No, I agree. I agree. Make, I make agree. Frankenstein I, and this then make Dracula. This whole extraordinary gentleman bullshit is yeah, it That's exactly what I, like, that's what I think about when, I, when, when you started reading that synopsis, uh, Jamie, when you started reading about the, the, the campaign that they're setting out. The only thing I could think of is the League of Gentlemen and or sorry, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And that instantly you know, that, that that's how I see it going. And I just don't want to see that. Yeah, I just don't, don't want to see that at all. all. Of that. We no. literally we can just fucking if you make a you make Insular, a werewolf movie. Make it smaller. Yeah. Make a werewolf make make the wolfman. And hey, Dracula fucking shows up for some reason. Who gives a shit? Maybe he's in the story for some reason. But oh hey, here's Dracula for some reason. Worked with Abbott and Costello, right? It or worked for House of Dracula worked for House of Frankenstein. Why? That was the fucking forties. How hard is this to do? Come on, people. 
see if the world is about to end at the end, you know, like as a culmination of all these movies, you know, like you get the feeling from the having not seen the mummy, I can't fully comment on it, but it looked like plagues were taking over modern cities. You know, I, I see if that's the road we're going down where like every single movie, uh, you know, is going to result in very similar to the, the kind of comic book movies where the world is threatened. And, you know, I can't be bothered with that. I I, I don't think that's where, where horror is supposed to, to fully lie. I, I like the, I like the idea of smaller. Can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, like I really, as the, like Dracula, well, like when you think about the, the Dracula story, really, yeah. It, it, it's, for for all intents purposes, he's he's trying to like recapture some weird lost love uh, who he thinks is reincarnated. When I think about Frankenstein, it was really just to create like new life um, and a body. Even Bride of Frankenstein is to try and create love for that. You know, it's, with the Wolfman, and none of these things are the world will end. You know, none right. in any of them. So why we're pulling out to that scope in the first one is just going to set an expectation that they have to try and top that every single movie. And I it just it's for lack of a better word, shit. Um, and yeah. I, I don't, I, yeah, I just, I, I can't, cannot get excited about it at all. Um, and you know I, who I did a like... shared universe that worked pretty well with the classic monsters was Penny Dreadful. Mm-hmm. I but loved it. Small scale. Yeah, well, yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do that. It was brilliantly woven. It, uh, like, they were all in there, not all of them, but I mean, it ended too soon, unfortunately, so we didn't get a whole lot of Jekyll and Hyde, which really broke my heart because I thought that would, that would have been going in an interesting direction. But it, they, I don't know, they did a lot of cool stuff with it. And I thought that that was, it was very subtle. It wasn't shoved down your throat. It's not like they were all the member of a club called the Super Fiends. You know, it was, um, it was good fiend. storytelling. Hollywood, I will watch a fucking Super Fiends movie. <laughs> but that's what they want. I mean, like, no, I'm right, serious, so no give me like a wacky fucking 70s cartoon gang of monsters that are the Super Fiends. Driving around in the bus for some unexplicable reason. I'll watch that shit. Yeah, g- give us give us thirty one, but better. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you the the way that you fix this right now. Fix it, Bo. Is you say we were wrong? If you're universal, <laughs> I'm sorry. We we thought a shared universe of monsters would be fun. Then we remembered we were making horror movies Hmm. and that these characters are the villains of those movies that we're trying to turn into the heroes. And because they can't be scary, like Dracula can't be too scary if he's the hero of your movie. Right. Although can, I've never seen Frankenstein's monster as the villain of that film. Well, the, you, you get what I mean. Like, the Invisible Man is the villain of the Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's so badass. I love the Invisible Man. Uh, I don't want Johnny Depp to play him. God damn it. He's one of my favorites. He's going to fuck it up. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, love. I'm looking for yeah. the rum. <laughs> but Where's if, all like, the rum gone? <laughs> if Universal wanted to do this right, what they would do is they would say 
we're going to bring back the classic universal monsters, but we're going to put these movies in the hands of today's best horror talent. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you say like, uh, we were talking about this on, on Facebook, actually. Um, like you do, uh, Mike Flanagan and, you know, if you uh, want to throw James Jim Wan Mickle. in there, fine. Jim Mickle, um, <laughs> <laughs> like don't uh, just watch over James Wan. Like, like, I love, I love Bo. Care. I love Bo throwing a sympathetic bone to James Wan. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's doing better than all of them. Not necessarily movie wise, but money wise, he's doing better than all. What of about them. a sympathetic oh, boner? Bone. Certainly, yeah, no, certainly he he is the more mainstream name. But like um, the chick who did the chick—that's so dismissive. Uh, Agnieszka Smozinska, something like that. The director of the lure most recently, mm-hmm. somebody said like, what if they, if she did a rad remake of Phantom of the Opera, that was almost more Phantom of the paradise where you do it as this crazy eighties period piece. And I was like, that sounds rad. I would love to see a Phantom of the Opera that was, that had that kind of aesthetic. And and just do something different with these properties. Like find interesting directors to do interesting things with them. Yeah. And you know, and then if you want to do your crossover movie and like do like, hey, here's this weirdo offshoot movie where three of these characters are going to appear, um, then you can do that, but it still maintains the integrity of the initial property because what you're doing with all the like action movieification of these characters like Dracula untold and if theoretically the mummy now again I haven't seen it it could be great but the fact that you're trying to turn these heroes into are these villains into anti-heroes um is against brand it's not what those characters are right um so you have to explain that to the audience and I think you lose part of them. I, like I think you just make really good if not good, at least somewhat daring horror films in the Blumhouse model, make it Universal's Blumhouse, mm-hmm. where it's like, we're going to give you $5 million to go make Dracula. And you, and if you need more money, explain why, but you're going to keep it under 50 and do that with a lot of those properties and just see what the fuck you get out of that cauldron. You know, yeah. it would be more interesting than like, this is going to be appealing to all four quadrants of our potential market. Um, you know, which is what the mummy feels like. It, it, it feels like a Hollywood blockbuster. It, 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 you know, there's like six writers on that movie and there's probably really like 30. Yeah. You know, Dave Burke asks best samurai movie. Oh, I mean, seven samurai. I mean, cause it's got, it, it's not them? like a crazy Kung Fu movie, but, as far as a pure samurai film, mm. I, have, I, I yeah. do like Seven Samurai. I I always opt towards Thirteen Samurai, uh, the Takashi Miki movie. Thirteen Assassins. Thirteen Assassins. Sorry, uh, yeah. which is which is pretty fucking amazing, or something like Zatoichi. Quite like that as well. Sure, sure. It's a man. There, there's a lot of goodness in that category. I mean, um, Lone Wolf and Cub has some good Ooh, stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, Blind Swordsman, Zatoichi. Yeah, I mean, God, 
uh yeah i mean there's <laughs> there there's a lot to choose from but yeah i mean if you want like miki's 13 assassins is sort of like the modern seven samurai yeah except the last what hour and a half of that movie just is amazing. is <laughs> right it's just like the movie grabbing you by the collar and being like you're gonna watch a goddamn samurai movie and <laughs> There's, there's the, 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 one of the greatest things in that movie is there was a bit where someone runs, like people run through a building, and I think they run into what is the equivalent of a a Japanese samurai suicide bomber, and the bomb goes off, and everyone on the other side of the building just gets showered with this cascade of fake blood, and you're like, yeah, this is a Miki movie, <laughs> just the most fucking ridiculous amount of blood ever. Well, and the uh, the stump lady as well. Oh yeah, it's like recounts the here's here's why you have to kill this evil prince kind of yeah. uh, character is the most Miiki character that ever Miikied. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The only thing that's missing is them crawling at a duffel bag. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was as his very audition. Uh, Jamie. Yeah. Do you have anything to weigh in on the uh, samurai films? I don't. I mean, if it was ninja films, <laughs> then yeah. But three, the domination. I got. That. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's right up there. Um, <laughs> it is that we actually just talked about that on um the samurai the samurai cop a... count. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't uh, seen. I haven't no... fucking seen any samurai. The only samurai movie I can think of, maybe. Maybe, and I could be completely misremembering this wrong, was Mishima, I think, has a sequence that involves a samurai, but I could totally be hallucinating that. What was that, um, oh, was it, uh, what was that recent samurai movie? Was it, it wasn't Mike, it was, um, oh, man. The Last Samurai. (laughs) I was about to say that, I was about to make the same joke. Like, last year, it was, um, oh, who's that Japanese director guy he was ah fuck I can't remember anyway that was pretty cool (laughs) yeah I heard it was (laughs) it was real good but yeah uh, samurais are not my forte um, okay but you know fair enough so I got nothing is what I'm trying to say okay Uh, John Rhodes asks one of many questions uh, John Carpenter or Wes Craven John Carpenter. 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 Oh, that's absolutely. Like, that's, a, that's a no contest. Yeah. Sorry, John. That's a silly question to ask. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa asks, who is your favorite Scream Queen? <clears throat> yeah, who's your favorite Scream Queen? Give me a second to look on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Um, uh, personal favorite, Linnea Quigley. Mm. I love the shit out of Linnea. Feel, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of just like, because because a, a few of the bigger ones didn't do a whole hell of a lot of horror movies. So yeah, I'll go with Linnea Quigley as well. Yeah. Barbara Crampton. Does she? We come? should have. Yeah. Um. She has. I think she actually. Uh. I think she rejects the title of Scream Queen. I. I think I've seen her yeah, say pretty so. much. You know. I. I don't like that, or I don't refer to myself as not that she thinks it's beneath her or anything like that i think she just doesn't you know want to be uh 
it's more I about would, the, the implication of the label right on right. on an actor that she is she is bristled against it, it not so much the like being elevated in the horror community it's but it, it's sort of the well why are you being elevated you know mm, right um but she's my pick actually just yeah. because of that because she she questions that label and i'm like well i think that is the modern scream scream queen scream queen <laughs> didn't realize we were being joined by Lutheragno here uh, <laughs> there's so many good scream queen it's, <laughs> it's tough you, to Lou. choose you're welcome thank you for joining us anytime see this is the quality that this show has we quality guests Do I go this door? yeah yeah yes Lou Yes. Okay. Thank you, Lou. There's a sandwich on the other side of the door for you. Hey, there's a sandwich back here. Yes, yes, that's for you. That's for you, Lou. That's for you. Good job, Duncan. You have awakened the beast. <laughs> I'm so happy with myself right now. Although I imagine Bo says that to you quite often. Yeah, he does. Does. <laughs> Okay. The context changes. <laughs> he, hey, likes the he, he likes to set up scenarios in which he can insert his Lutherigno. I'm, sure <laughs> I'm a role does. player. Uh, so okay. is that what you're calling his Lutherigno? He can insert yeah, you know what, like, very much like uh, very much like um, his penis. You do not want to get angry. You would not like it when it gets angry. That's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa also asks uh, has a horror movie invaded your dreams and if so which ones um, I, I could maybe run into this one quick um, I've said I don't know if I've ever said it on this show but I used to have uh, it happens every now and again um, I don't sleep particularly well um, and I don't dream often either but um, I have this thing where I will have recurring dreams about certain scenes from certain movies and it's usually movies that I haven't thought about for a while and they're not necessarily like scary either mm -hmm. but they'll keep happening until I purchase the movie <laughs> um, at which point I stop getting them um, so one of the more difficult ones of, of recent memory was The Last Broadcast which I do actually think is quite a, a creepy movie yeah. Um and it's never been properly released in this in this country um, out with VHS. So I actually own a VHS of it, and nothing to play it on because I don't own a VHS player. So, but once I bought it, the the dreams the dreams left. So I very seldom get like nightmares about movies that I watch. Um, can't think of they, they invade my and dream like something like I, I watched a Neon Dream uh, Demon and I was dreaming <laughs> the Neon Dreaming. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> There you go. Um, I, when I watched that movie, I, I that was I dreamt about that quite a lot, but not necessarily in a kind of horror capacity. It was just my brain was trying to unpack what I'd seen. So, okay. Okay. I don't have specific films that invade my dreams. More scenarios, and typically, what happens is if I am going through a particularly stressful situation in real life. 
I will have a lot of zombie dreams. Yeah. And it's like zombie apocalypse all the time. And I'm just, I find myself fighting off hordes of the undead, having to make difficult choices, um, you know, and then that that is usually kind of a, a harbinger that I'm something serious is weighing on my mind, but it's never anything specific. It's never like Dawn of the Dead or, you know, anything like that. It's just general zombie apocalypse. Your yeah. old workaday zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, that's that's typically what I have. I don't, I don't have a lot of nightmares typically, or dr- negative dreams that are upsetting. But typically, the ones that like, the ones that aren't just like you know, oh, like you know, general shitty bad dreams, but like the ones that are like horror related are typically involving zombies, and it's the only ones I ever have that are like that. And zombies don't scare me. Like I, I watch zombie movies like it's nothing, but fucking in a dream, they are horrifying. Yeah, I'm kind of weirdly in the same boat. I I've had those uh zombie dreams before as well. And uh yeah, yeah, it turns out it is terrifying yeah. to be like trapped in a place with not the living as, dead yeah. coming for you. It's not as cool as you think it would be. No. As a matter of fact, I had this one one time that sort of made me resent a coworker for a while yeah. because um in this dream we were trapped in this mortuary and we were trying to escape out the back and there was this loading dock out the back. So we ran out the back door and we're standing on this loading dock and we see this horde of zombies like coming toward us. And he pushed me off the loading dock (laughs) into this horde of zombies so that he could then take that opportunity to run away. And I honestly think that stemmed from uh, just like workplace angst, you know, that I was Mm -hmm. having, in real life, and it just sort of manifested itself in my dreams. So naturally, what happened was the next time I saw him, I you know chopped off his head because you know that's that's normal. <laughs> because he's practical. Yes. Right. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm like yes. <laughs> I'm like no, no, that's not. No, that is mean. You don't do that. <laughs> we don't Bad. do things like that. Bad. Look. Morality during a zombie apocalypse is a very different thing than morality right now. Well, yeah. Well, I'm never going to hang out with you during the zombie apocalypse. That's for sure. Oh, you'd be a fool, too. No, that's true. (laughs) John Rhodes asks, uh, what is one film that surprised you? That's a very broad question, John. (laughs) Ooh. From dusk till dawn, when oh, I yeah. saw that in the, when I saw that in the theater, I had no idea what it was about. I knew nothing about it. I think most of you probably heard heard the story. Um, I but my friend who worked at the theater said, "Hey, come watch this movie. I think you're gonna like it." And I said, "Okay." So I'm watching. We're sitting down, and you know it's great so far. It's like a a buddy road crime movie and I'm digging it and then next thing you know Salma Hayek turns into a vampire and I was like what the fuck you know and I turn around <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at the audience and I'm like is, was everybody else expecting this because what the hell is happening <laughs> and uh, that is really like one of the best theater experience I, I have ever had because it really just hit me broadside and it was way ended up being way better than I even thought it could be but that moment was one of the most surprising moments ever. It just was phenomenal. And I'm so glad I didn't know anything about that movie going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Kill List. 
<laughs> oh sure I yeah i made you guys talk about that one that movie all the way through it, i was uneasy and i kind of thought i knew where that movie was going until the last 10 minutes and then the last 10 minutes had me picking up my jaw from the floor so um it takes a wicked turn in such a way that i never saw it going that way at all and then after watching it it made me want to go back and watch the movie from the beginning to see if it was evident that's where it's going and it was the, the second watch of that movie kind of clears up quite a lot of um the the things that spring up but yeah that one of more recent times that's definitely one that kind of kind of floored me or or even last year basking um like the the first 40 minutes of that movie do not prepare you at all for the last 40 minutes of that movie which are which is just the craziest most bizarre out there over the top demon fuck fest i've ever seen so I don't know. I was kind of surprised at how dull I, I found that film. <laughs> really? <laughs> Sick burn from Jane. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I sadly. It's all I, to do with context. It's all to do with what you're used to seeing. Jamie just sees a lot more of that than I do. <laughs> um, a lot more. What do you mean? Because I. Sticking around. Yeah, there was at, at one point. At, at one point, someone's bent over and being fucked in the ass by someone who's wearing a goat head. Uh, who I think is part. Oh, part well, yeah, food. that's just what we call Saturday night around here. <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, this is America, You're right? If now, if it had been sheep, then Duncan would have been all on board. Yeah, you know. well, I would have been. I would have been. In, I would have been in there, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been the inserting the old Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the angry Ferrigno. Um, uh, let's not speak ill of the man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. He's another room having a sandwich. Um, so <laughs> it's loud. Um, I, you know, I my movie, uh, my surprising movie would be um, the film Them, the oh. old giant ant movie, hmm. uh, because I think. I, here, what what surprises me about that movie is, I think it holds up surprisingly well, uh, for being a movie in the fifties about giant puppet ants. Right. Um. There, there's something about the way they approach the science in that of like, well, there are these flying queens that you're totally not going to see because that's pricey. But <laughs> like, it explains how, like how they get around. But I, like to this day, I don't know that I've shaken the image of them first coming across the ant nest when they're about to bomb the shit out of it because it's the military and that's how you start. And as they approach the nest, it's just an ant with a rib cage and it's mandibles like tossing it out. Shot. Yeah. Great. And it was like, man, this movie, you know, predates my birth by a solid, you know, 20 years, but it's remarkably effective it's still one of my favorite monster movies I, I i love it we just watched that a couple weeks ago because brian was doing a recording um with x about that film and uh, it was um yeah it, it does hold up really well and i still i love that rib cage scene and also i always forget because uh, it had only been a couple years since i watched it last and i but i always forget exactly how large of a scale it ends up being um 
because it just sort of it it's all over the place, like all over the map. You know, when when the when the when they're trying to find the queen, like she has gone a long way. And I always think of it whenever I think back to that film, I always imagine it as a very localized situation because things like that typically are. Um, but they really took that to a much larger scale, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. And like having the big flamethrower battle with giant ants in the Los Angeles river tunnels. That's pretty rad. I don't, I don't care who you are. That's the way to end a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Checks out. <laughs> Them. Uh... Certified fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. That's tough. Um, you can take my answer when we talk about them some more before no. we have to talk about <laughs> this sh- shitty rub no. zombie thing. Uh, you know, probably ginger snaps. <clears throat> no, oh, I'm glancing at yeah. it over on my, uh, my, my Good DVD one. shelf. Um, because I remember, I remember the, the original cover for it, like seeing it free, frequently in the video store and just being like, eh, cause it wasn't particularly interesting. And it wasn't until like a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, you should really see this movie. And I was like, all right, fine didn't know really anything about it and i was like this is like and was really impressed with it like really enjoyed it and i have watched all three of them multiple times and then you talked about all three of them on liking it i talked about the first one oh that's right you had to bail yeah i was not able to do the. oh that's right we only got through the first one with you but the entire but the whole that episode does contain discussion of all three (laughs) so yeah i'd probably say uh ginger snaps uh okay uh, Vanessa asks uh, again, uh, "What character?" Can I can I throw in a a, a, a quick honorable mention? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a movie I was surprised by was An American Werewolf in Paris. Because <laughs> I was like, how could this possibly be from the same guy who did An American Werewolf in London, which is an awesome movie? And then you realize and it wasn't. This is terrible. Ugh. Wait, Landis directed that one too. I thought he did. I'm pretty sure. Am he I didn't. wrong? No, no. John Landis didn't do. Yeah, no, that was somebody else. Oh well. So you, I, I, I apologize to John Landis. Yeah. <laughs> you will be grateful to know that you have. Uh, I could have sworn no. he wrote it. Yeah. No. Or it's based on what he wrote. Oh, okay. Well, now I, I've been, I've been carrying a grudge against John. <laughs> Years. Just imagine this. Well, you can you can carry. He's had an opportunity to see something in conversation. Right. He's been doing it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this movie was real bad. I'll tell you what's really bad. That that John Landis movie, American Werewolf in Paris, gonna get a high five. Anyone? Right. Fuck that guy. Right. Am I right? Like, if you're gonna shit on him, like shit on him for like the, the Twilight Zone movie or something. Beverly Hills Cop Three. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Vanessa asks, "What character have you wanted to, wanted killed off the quickest?" Oh God, that list is long. Uh, <laughs> Shelley. I knew that was coming. Leave Shelley alone. He has issues. He just needs a hug. If he had been hugged with a bear trap in the first five minutes of that movie, <laughs> it would have been a better. That fat shit. How about uh, Blondie that gets tossed over the TV in part seven? I can never remember her name, but that bitch, Trish. No, not Trish. That's, Tina? Uh, um, uh, you know, she's got the pearl necklace. She's all like the short, like platinum blonde hair. And she's oh, the, the other blonde. Little, 
the rich cunt and i oh i just want to strangle her um and to me her death just isn't i mean it's for one it's not fast enough because it's way into the film and two it's just not gory enough it she deserved much worse yeah what's the name of the dude that we all hate from the remake is it trey i think so yes yeah Yeah, i think he's he's talking about us I mean, pretty much any character from that remake. I know, right? Any They're Rob all Zombie all character ever. Yeah. Um, particularly oh. the three, particularly his three teenagers from the Halloween remake. Every one of them, any I want to set on fire. character played by Sherry Moon Zombie. Oh, I don't know. I thought uh, I Baby like- from, yeah, <laughs> from House of a Thousand Corpses. I, I mean, fucking hate that movie, so. I mean, she'll she'll murder you, but she's gonna <laughs> have a good time doing it. She's cute, you know. <laughs> she's, anyway, um, Bo, uh, who did you want to see killed? Oh no, you said Shelley. Oh yeah, which is the correct a, a, answer? A million times, yes. Because fuck Shelley. <laughs> I'm pretty so sure I was. I think I was on Team Fuck Shelley when we did that episode. I don't remember. I, you know, I, if I could just beg everyone to. Take a critical eye and and look at that film and Shelley's part in it. Yes. Friday the 13th. From a more, yes. For from a more, what we're talking about. From a more objective point of view and see what a fucking asshole that character is from jump. I, I think it's something that we as a nation can come together on and heal no. over. He's unfairly maligned. He is an awful person. Like, you don't just do... Like, his idea of pranks is just creepily scaring the shit out of people. And that's not a prank. That's just being a fucking weirdo. That, like, no, I mean... It's an elaborate plan. There's steps. It's not just, I'm going to wear took a wetsuit. Wig to head, axe in wig, body in cabinet, weight. Those are his steps. <laughs> It's he's an awful, awful person. He should have been abused by the council. <laughs> um, not necessarily sexually, but but let's leave everything on the table. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that character deserved to die a, a hundred deaths. Nothing could be violent enough. Okay. Um, Judy from fucking Sleepaway Camp. Ooh, that good one, bitch. Ugh. <laughs> mm. That's a good one. I mean, Steve from the Dawn of the Dead remake. Grr. Yeah. <laughs> well, he gets he, he eventually dies, but yeah. He gets it eventually. But fuck him. What a dick. <laughs> I don't know. He was, he was the one character that I, I felt like really behind in that movie. He's funny as fuck, but he's an asshole. Well, and he's an because asshole. He's a character who's like you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe that's why I sympathize with him because he's like, look. This is a fuck situation. We're we're all gonna die, but let's not hurry hurry into that. You know, we got a mall here. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, Dave D asks, uh, what more recent overused horror trope horror trope are you tired of seeing? For him, it's the dream jump scare and the double dream fake out. Mummy mouth. Mummy mouth. 
Yeah, it's a, that's a, what we refer to. And they use it. Oh, my God. And Flanagan, I love him. You know how much I love Flanagan. Everyone in this room knows how much I love Flanagan. But when he did the fucking mummy mouth in the Ouija 2 film, <laughs> I just, it hurt my soul. I'm like, stop with that. That doesn't make them scary. It's not scary to see someone's mouth just, oh, it, no, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's real dumb. Um, but it's mummy mouth because yeah. that's what Brian mm-hmm. coined it since it's been around since the Brendan Fraser mummy movie. Oh, yeah. the as Or as we called it on the uh, Grave Encounters 2 episode, the... Uh, the shitty YouTube ghost video effect. Yeah. Mine has a better ring yes, to it. Yes, yours does. <laughs> <laughs> or at least rolls off the tongue better. Mummy, yes, mummy mouth makes way more sense. <laughs> uh, mine would be any camera crew investigating any abandoned house uh, slash... Uh, institution uh, slash prison any of those movies let's just let's just call it a day for a little bit let's give it five <laughs> years before anyone makes another movie where <laughs> some TV show or college class wants to film something in some place that no human being should rightly go <laughs> I, I'm, Let, I'm starting to think this is self-inflicted bull because you deliberately watch those movies so well, and see here's the thing i was just thinking <laughs> i would love to do that but you know set up the that i would love that to be like the first like 15 minutes of a movie where the camera crew goes into the place and it's super weird and then they, they just leave like nothing happens to them and they have no actual bearing on the story nothing happens to them it's a fucking slasher movie the rest of the way through but it happens to take place there i think that'd be fucking hysterical that kind of happened with slaughterhouse really i've never seen well that. uh it's, oh god that <laughs> movie um, well, it starts off with, I mean, like, the the credit footage is actual footage from a real slaughterhouse. So you're actually watching pigs get slaughtered, which I'm not Nummy. not a big fan of. Um, but then the rest of this, it's, you've got this whole group of teens. They visit the <coughs> slaughterhouse. They fuck around inside. And you're like, oh, here we go. Some shit's going to go down. No, they get they just fuck around for a little bit. Then they leave. And then I'm like, oh, well, uh, all right, funny. well, see you later. Money and then other shit funny. finally eventually goes down, but it just it it doesn't it doesn't actually kick off when you think it's going to kick off. And like, why are we following these teenagers around for no reason? <laughs> it's just it's it's not very good. I would figure out some way <laughs> to make it pay off at least. I think they I do. Am... They do eventually come back, and then they they end up getting it. But it's just it's a wasted initial trip, you know. Mm, yeah, but M- Ming would be, and I'm not. Kind of, I know Dave Z is a big lover of the found footage genre, but <clears throat> um, movies where there inexplic- inexplicably there is someone running around still holding a camera where really bad shit's going down. Get rid yeah. of that trope. I like the GoPro thing that they're starting to do with movies and and that sort of thing where they can justify the the reason for the camera still to be rolling. Right, but. Um, yeah, there's a lot of needless movies out there that have, you know, people running away from something carrying giant cameras on their shoulders, which doesn't make any fucking sense at all. No, 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 no yeah. Yeah, I think one of the questions that I saw uh, for this episode was someone asking about the what we thought the future of found footage would be, or like if it was going, yes, if it was something that, that we wanted. Um, 
And Duncan, I think that 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 you kind of are in line with me as far as that goes. I love found footage when it's done well, mm-hmm. and when it's and when it is reasonable, and when we have a good reason to be seeing what we're seeing. But if you can't if you can't have a decent reason um, for us to be videotaping whatever, then um, then it just kind of blows the whole thing because I spend the entire movie yeah. going, why are we, why, why is this happening? What, right. Who is just, who just is shoot it like this? a movie then. Yeah. yeah. Just, just shoot it like a movie. If that's how you yeah. want to, what was the name of that movie? Oh, the one with the, the vampires. Oh, uh, afflicted. What we do in the dark. Afflicted. Oh, yeah, oh, that, that, that recent one where the, the so the guy was doing like a like a travel blog thing, and he actually at the beginning they pretty much show you all the equipment that will be used in the filming of the movie, um, and it answers all the questions right at the start and like that. Right, so he's got some harness thing strapped to the front of him with a camera. At that point, I no longer need to question why the camera's still rolling because it's it's attached to him. That's fine. Just a bit of that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> Just a little bit of attention to detail instead of people running through the woods holding a camera, well, screaming. I, I think that also goes to the conceit of found footage itself, is it should be... The story you're telling should make sense being found footage. It shouldn't just be, yeah. oh, we're going to use it as a gimmick, which is why yeah. it doesn't work. <clears throat> and why and what it's been turned into, basically, exactly. because you can make a cheap film without having to hire a, a real cinematographer. Yep. Um, and it's going to look bad, but that's okay if it looks bad because it's found footage. So we don't need to actually put any time or effort or know-how or care into making this film. What's that damn movie where the kids break into the school and then the, the one kid got hanged during the play? Oh, the, was it the gallows? The gallows. Oh my God. There are actually scenes in that film where you can look at it. You're watching it going, okay, who is actually recording this? Because yeah. there are there are scenes in that film where no one should be record like they're the person who had the camera is you're watching them. So who the fuck what's happening here? Who is how are we seeing this? Like they didn't even care uh, yeah, enough uh, to try to make it work. Yeah, or when they're or when apparently the spirit is concerned with the like the camcorder you know, like as a as a as a device. Well, like, I hate things like that. See when see when like demons and things like that or, or ghosts in buildings seem can you know very interested in controlling technology that kind of confu- was this a 16th century ghost knows how to work this camcorder well that's plausible <laughs> um you know what i mean uh, just, I, I still think i still think there is a great amount that can be done with found footage as I, I still think every year i think there's at least one found footage movie that comes out that i really like um, yes. And it's generally because someone is like is using it for the right reason and not just as a cost saving measure, yeah. which yeah, is how the majority really of them are good. used. Yeah, I thought Creep was excellent. That was exactly yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah, you know, sequel um, comes out this year as well. Oh. Yeah, Creep I know. I'm excited. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, um, exists was a really good one. I haven't seen that one yet. Mm. Um, <laughs> who disagreed with that? That was Bo. That was Bo. Bo. Why? You didn't like it? You didn't like Exist? Uh, I, I didn't I, think it was great. So. I, yeah, I, I think it, it's a fine setup. It's like, that's kind of a found footage movie I, I want to see. I just didn't think any of the actors were... Not the actors, well, I'm right. sorry. I didn't think any of the characters were good. 
Um, and when you finally, like, it, it, it's a little bit too much of a cock tease of a movie. It's like, I'm here to watch a found, found footage movie about Bigfoot. Let's not, let's not dick each other around here. I, uh, you don't need to do that much setup. Let's get to some big feet. Yeah. Um, and I, I, well, yeah. I think it, to me, it worked way better than Willow Creek, but I think oh. you were a fan of Willow Creek, right? So, I, I actually do like Willow Creek. I didn't, Creek, like, that, so. I didn't like that movie at all. So I really yeah. liked that one as well. But then again, as we have established on this, uh, on your show, I'm a partly Scottish bow. Thanks for that, <laughs> Um So it should be no surprise that me and Bo align with this, yeah. those particular ones. I thought Exist was all right. I didn't think it was amazing, but I really liked Willow Creek. Yeah. Deborah Logan, I think, was an excellent film. Yep. It's a really good one. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so we've established there are some good <laughs> Yeah, well well but that movie was m- more hamstrung, I think, by the found footage conceit than it needed. Like I don't know that that movie needed to be a found footage movie. I think it still would have been very I, Yeah, for, for for that one I, I think it, it works particularly well for that one scene that everyone sure knows that movie for you need the found footage element for that the rest of that movie could have been shot and would have worked really well just as a standard short yeah. movie yeah so uh the, the since we're talking about found footage for the moment um glenn brewer was the one who asked the question about what we think the future of uh found for found footage is i really it's just fucking write a write a goddamn movie that makes sense to be using found footage don't yeah. just fucking make garbage. I mean, look, mm-hmm. as long as it's good, as long as it makes sense, I will I will keep watching them and I will keep praising them because in the end, all I care about is whether or not a film moves me. I don't really care. <clears throat> I'm not going to dislike a film because it's found footage and we've had a lot of those. Just like I'm not going to automatically discount a film that's a zombie film because we've had a lot of those. I mean, right. if a good film comes along like... Uh, that falls under that category than, you know, like the girl with all the gifts or um, the Ford brothers a few years ago. It it's, you know, a good film's a good film period. That's all I care about. All right. Uh, Jerry Esposito asks, which horror film would you love to see get a sequel? uh, But you will, but you know, will just never happen. Behind the mask. It's my answer to that every single time. Yeah. That's a good one. Nightbreed. Hmm. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't, well, I'm, I mean, it's just, I, I'm not usually a a a pusher for sequels, you know. Trick or treat, probably. Oh, oh. Because they oh, keep cock teasing us with the second though, one. Isn't it? Yeah, they, but they've he's been now, talking about that shit for like for something nine else. years. Hasn't he? He's he's now he's now directing some other huge movie. Yeah. Is he not doing the new Godzilla movie? I'm. I maybe. I'm not sure. I've got my Graham head. He's directing. No, I thought uh, Wingard was doing the. No, he's doing the crossover, but there's another Godzilla movie to bridge in between. I think. Oh, okay. I think it's a uh, Dorothy that's doing that. I think maybe wrong. I know that his um, Krampus movie did really well, and that's why he got picked up. It's unlikely you're going to see a trick or treat movie because that's. Unless he has some system worked out. I know he's really keen to do it and he's wrote it, etc. So unless he's doing another large studio movie to give him the option mm. of, a, you know, I do one for you, you allow me to do my movie, right. sort of Del Toro style thing, maybe you see it that way out with that, I think. 
on the original timeline of when it was announced he was going to be doing that sequel, that movie should have been out by now. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see that. That's a good call, David. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, okay. Merriman has a long one. All right. So, um, <clears throat> the gist... and subsection B asks. Yeah, the, the gist <laughs> of of Mike's question is: How do we feel about the trend of um, horror films or films that are on the sort of on the verge of being horror um, being marketed incorrectly? Oh, um, like Green Room. He's, he gives, or... he says marketing American uh, American Psycho being marketed as a slasher or stuff like The Imitation or Trash Fire. I have not seen The Imitation or Trash Fire. However, I do remember I... American Psycho being marketed as a slasher, which it's totally I'm, not. I, I might be in the minority here, but I think The Invitation and Trash Fire are both horror movies. Okay. I don't think Fair there's enough. any. I think The Invitation fits nicely in there. I don't I don't think I don't think it. Um, I don't see why not. Yeah. I and I didn't see Trash Fire yet. It's on my list, but I still haven't seen it. But if, I do think if you the can invitation consider. Yeah, I think if you consider Excision a horror movie, then you definitely have to consider Trash Fire a horror movie because it's the same director and they're scarily in the same bubble hmm. mm-hmm. in terms of how they're All executed right. and uh, and the, the the way the movie is constructed and how it plays out. So I think right. they're. I, 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 I know, I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. The trash fire is amazing. You should okay. check it out. Well, he, uh, and the invitation. Sorry, I, didn't like, I know um, Bo's a bit warm on that one, but I fucking loved the invitation as well. Um, I think his question specifically about how movies are being marketed, yes. as opposed to whether or not a movie is aimed at a specific genre. I don't think there's been any huge trend in and the way films are being made, certainly, that is misleading people. I think these movies and the tone of how they're being made have always been made that way. I think there's no shame, (laughs) whilst I disagree with it, I think there's no shame with studios pushing movies towards, through their trailers specifically, towards, um, you know, genres which are selling well just now. Like I said earlier on, horror's big business just now. So right. if there's a, a way to be able to package something and advertise it as a horror movie, then these companies are going to do it. Whether or not that's reprehensible, I don't necessarily think that's anything new. I think that's always kind of happened. Um, you know, studios will market a movie in a way to maximise the amount of interest or tap into uh, you know, a subgenre of fans. So I think that's always kind of been there. I think what's maybe different now is I think it's less to do with the way movies are marketed and I think it's more to do with the way they're reviewed. Um, So you think about when movies debut at things like South by Southwest and from that straight away you're being told that this movie, whatever that movie is, will be the biggest horror movie of the year and it was so scary and crowds walked out and all the rest. I think that's where the hype machine begins. Mm-hmm. Um I think you get that. I've always said that I, I know I'm not, you know, pushing the envelope with this one. Horror is completely subjective. Um what scares me is not what scares you. And that's if I sit down and watch a movie and it terrifies the life out of me, then yeah, it's horror to me. That doesn't necessarily mean it's horror to everyone else. And I think it's very difficult when things are on the fringe to 
to say that, well, it's not... A, I see this so many times. Well, it's a really long movie, not a lot happens. So it's a, it's a slow burn, so it's not a horror movie, and that's rubbish. Um, if I watch it and through that slow burn I feel dread and apprehension, then it's just as scary as sitting watching a, a slasher movie where teens are getting gutted every five minutes on the screen. Um, it's about how you feel at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I think just lumping one thing under one giant bubble and just saying, well, this is defined 100% as a package. There are loads of horror movies that are out there that are classed as horror and they get given that label and tag that clearly do fit into what you would class as a general kind of swipe of horror that I don't think have nearly as much apprehension, dread or or terror uh, as movies that kind of teeter on the so-called fringe. So um, I don't necessarily think it's a new trend at all i think it's always been there i think we're just more aware of it because there's just a lot more movies and there's just a lot more internet and there's just a lot more voices telling you what you should watch and what you shouldn't fair enough (coughs) also Uh, i think people uh it i think a lot of that lies at the feet of people who put so much into what the trailers have to tell you i mean like we should know by now that the people who make the trailers typically have no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, they don't know what a movie is about. They are pulling out scenes that look like they will sell. That's mm-hmm. a, that's their job. And I don't ever watch a trailer and then go to a film and then if, if the movie ends up being different from how the, it was portrayed in the trailer, that doesn't make me mad. I'm not really like, ah, oh, god damn it, that's not what I was expecting. When I'm watching the film, either it's good or it's bad. And it is standing there and I'm judging it on its own merit. You know, now a a trailer will help me, like I said earlier in this very show, that I wasn't excited by the Mummy trailer. I didn't think it looked very good. But, that doesn't mean I'm not going to go see a film if if, especially if it's a horror film, I will typically give any horror film a chance. I just don't I, I don't put so much money on the trailers because that's what killed Cabin in the Woods. And that's why a lot of people didn't go see Cabin in the Woods. That's true. And there was no good way to market that film without giving shit away. So sometimes you just have to keep that into keep that in your mind and go, look, they're not going to tell you if hopefully they're not going to tell you everything that happens in the trailer. Of course, then we have the pendulum swinging the other way where they actually give away too much in the trailers. And that pisses me off, too. So here's the safe thing to do. Just don't watch fucking trailers. How about that? Don't watch the trailer, go watch the movie and judge the movie on it on what it has to offer you. And mm-hmm. I think that's the best solution to everything. Yeah. And and the examples that we've been using here are difficult movies to market. Like oh, Green Room right. is a tough movie to describe, uh, especially in 30 seconds. Um, you know, and likewise some, you know, American Psycho. Like if if you advertise that movie as sort of a parody of horror films and also a critique of pop culture. I don't know who would go see that movie. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And a lot of times we discovered this with um, the, like the seasoning house, for instance, people call films horror when they don't know what else to do with them. Yeah. When, yeah. when what goes on within the film is too horrific or too, uh, too intense for the mainstream audience and they don't know what else to do with it, they'll just slap it into horror 
when in fact it won't be a horror film at all. You know, right. like The Seasoning House, for instance, excellent example, I think, is not a horror film. But they just didn't know what the fuck else to do with it. Right. You know? So I think, honestly, we need to create a new genre um, <laughs> called movies that don't go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it, like those movies that contain horrific elements but could also be called a drama or a thriller or whatever. Um, I'm kind of fine with the Big Ten of like, yeah, that's all horror. Like, in my mind, a thriller is a variety of a horror film. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really make too many distinctions there other than when people try to try to convince me silence of the lambs is not a horror movie yeah, yeah. that's where i get ways. feisty but... yeah so it works both ways it, it can, there was a there was a whole decade where you know the the marketed movies as against horror because horror wasn't popular um <laughs> and no one the h word was a bad word yeah no one's gonna tell me that seven it's not a horror movie. <laughs> oh, it oh, takes yeah. so many, so many fucking boxes in horror. If that's not a horror movie, then a lot of what I've been watching under the guise of horror for years is not horror. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and it's age old, but you know, an example that Brian uses all the time when we get into this discussion with people is he always throws out Schindler's List because he's like, "Look, horrific shit happens in Schindler's List, but it's not a horror movie." Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, really, it's it's horrible stuff and it's about horrible stuff, but it's not a horror movie. And it's and yeah, there I don't know. There are, the, there are always those movies that skirt. The, and I've never heard anyone even attempt to call that a horror movie. And they wouldn't. Obviously, that's an that's just an absurd uh, example. But it's yeah, just because horrible things happen doesn't always make it a horror movie but then again there is that there's just a it's a weird fine often dusted over line because i'm right there with you bo if someone tries to tell me silence of the lambs is not a horror film i get real upset yeah you know and it's you know i don't know it's like alien is a horror film aliens is a sci-fi film to me which brings us to a question that john rose asks (laughs) He wants us to rank the Alien franchise. No, we're not going to do that. I will Alien the end. Yeah, basically. That that's that's where I stop. So <laughs> no, I don't. I just I don't give a shit about that franchise. I'm sorry. Anyways, yeah. See, uh, we wanted to do it, John. <laughs> David said no. Well, you can do that with John then on your own podcast. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, then. (laughs) Mark Harrison asks, uh, at what point did you realize that podcasting was something you wanted to do? Oh. A long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) A long, long time ago. I actually started out uh, doing a live radio show. Um, (laughs) And this, Bo and I were friends at the time. And do you remember this, Bo? Do you remember the show that I did briefly? Um, I did a couple episodes with, uh, his name was Eric. And uh, it was a live show on, I forget now what the platform was. And <laughs> I was talking to Bo after that. And he's like, look, you are <laughs> you are way better than that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember this, yeah. He's, he's like, look, you, uh, like, you need to do something else. And... Uh, and then he's like, why don't, why don't we do a show? 
And I was like, okay. And so then we ended up doing last blog. And then from that point on, it was just full steam ahead. And then last blog kind of died. And then uh, David popped up out of nowhere and on horror movies and said, you know, I'm looking for a podcast host. And I was like, you know what? I'd like to get back into that. Um, but, you know, I don't think I ever woke up one morning and said, I want to be a horror podcaster. I think it just sort of <laughs> happened. And then I once I started doing it, I realized I loved it and uh, never looked back. Bo? Uh, I was probably four or five. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. I, like, I, I did some... Uh, he said, uh, I can't wait for that Al Gore guy to invent the internet so I can become a podcaster. <laughs> right. There's this itch that I feel will be scratched somewhere in the early 2000s. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I did college radio a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I was already doing a website about horror movies and how much I loved horror stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah. And then, like Jamie said, I. <laughs> I I'd been thinking about it and then I heard her and I was like, Oh yeah, we could absolutely get away with doing this. And, um, and the guy that she was working with at the time, whose name I don't remember. So I apologize for defaming someone whose name I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was just very, he was very amateur, uh, in a way that was tough to listen to. If that's trying not to be mean about it, but, um, yeah. So, that was me. All right, Duncan. Um, I used to do a live radio show uh, with Jamie Jenkins. I changed my name from Eric though to Duncan after <laughs> Bo <laughs> tore into me. Um, so, <laughs> um, couldn't help myself. Couldn't help myself. Um, I uh, never really wanted to do podcasting or anything. I am. Um, I was kind of, I, I, like, when I was a lot younger, uh, I, I kind of really kept myself to myself and didn't really socialise with many people at all. Um, and not a lot of people socialised with me. Uh, and when I went to college, I decided to make a con conscious effort that I was going to a college where no one knew me. And I was studying music production, live sound. And um, I decided that I would try and reinvent myself, you know, new new me, new place, all, all, all these sort of things. And uh, one of the, the things I wanted to do was try and push myself out with my comfort zone, um, be a bit more chatty, try and make more friends, etc. which ultimately led to me fronting a band, like a like a heavy band, um, which I did for, for many years. And then that kind of stopped. And when that stopped, I realised that I had kind of... I kind of needed the, the some some sort of vehicle to to put my voice out, um, which morphed into writing music reviews uh, and movie reviews, um, into doing a podcast with the site that I wrote for, and then not long after that, finding a little show called Devour the Podcast, um, which I mentioned earlier on, uh, and realizing that having not really checked out podcasts that much. Um, even though I was doing one, I didn't realise that there were so many different podcasts covering so many different things. Uh, and being a lifelong horror fan and realising that you could actually do a show which 
could talk about horror movies was pretty cool. And um, I would say it took about a year and a half of that show before I realised that it was something I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to do in terms of uh, spend more time, speak to more people. Mm -hmm. I think even that first year, I I was still kind of trying to find what I wanted to do, which wasn't a complete rip-off of your show. Um, (laughs) Which it was. failed. Go go back and listen to it. Yeah, we even had a new segment, um, which which got dropped. Uh, So, uh, yeah. So, I, I think... I mean, the irony of the situation is that I am now trying to push my podcast in a direction which will result in a live performance um, this year uh, and subsequent, subsequently more live performances of it. So I've kind of almost pushed it back to where I was back in a band in a, a, in a situation where it will be in front of a live audience. So, mm. um, so yeah, I think more, more just finding that, finding your voice. I think that's I think that's the the key. I think that was the one thing that I got from listening to your show at the beginning, which gave me the inspiration to do my one. Is that you had three completely different personalities um, who were all joined up by the fact that they really genuinely loved horror movies um, and wanted to talk about them. And I think that's what well, there's a lot of people want to start podcasts out there and don't really know where to begin. And if you you just need to be passionate about what you want to do, mm-hmm. like what you're going to speak about, you need to be excited about it because no one wants to listen to anyone uh, just go through the motions because they like the idea of having a podcast. Yeah. So. Uh, for me, Which I still think you guys do really, really, really well. So, <laughs> Thank you, Duncan. Um, I started, it was 2008. Um, I was writing for a website, <clears throat> which I'm not going to name, uh, because there's some some of my old reviews that are up there. Uh, I can name it. Have been changed, <laughs> and I don't have my original versions of them to prove that they were changed. So it's not even a fight that I can get into. Uh, but it, it, that does that does kind of bother me that that they changed some of my reviews and reviewed other movies under my screen name. Um, so that's, that's fucking great. Uh, anyway, so I was working for them and, uh, they had a show on Sunday nights through blog talk radio and I listened to a sh- to an episode and it was fun. I was like, Hey, this is neat, you know? And, uh, so I started looking up other horror shows and this was, you know, 2008. So I don't know how big podcasting was, but, uh, I stumbled across the midnight horror show and thought it was the funniest shit I'd ever heard. And I wanted to do that. I was like, fuck, I want to do this. Um, and then I got, yeah, I got on with, uh, I took over as producer of the podcast for the website I was writing for, um, because there had been a falling out between one of the, ho- between a couple of the hosts and the other dude left in solidarity. And so it was a whole new crew was me, the, one of the original hosts and, uh, another guy who eventually had issues with the other host and left. He was replaced by a dude who I didn't like, and then I quietly left because I fucking hated doing it and was wasting my Sundays. Um, and then I started my first uh, my first real show with my best friend, uh, the Crepcast, which, as far as I know, is no longer online. Um, God, I don't even know if I still. I think I still have the old the old ones, those old episodes somewhere. Um, and we did that for 15, 20 episodes, I think, something like that. Um, and then I quit that for a while and I came back to it and I came back to podcasting in 2012. Yeah. No, I think that's when Devour started was 2012. 
Um, because I was unemployed and I wanted to do something and I was sick of writing reviews. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this again. Uh, yeah. And then here we are five years later. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think the, the reason I got into podcasting was because I was 22 years old and I had opinions on horror movies and nobody, I wanted to, I was frustrated with seeing what people said online about horror movies because they all seemed like fucking idiots. And my opinion was right. God damn it. Cause I was 22 and I knew everything. All right. And nothing has changed. Well, I'm 31. <laughs> that you're now. no longer 22. Yeah, I'm 31 now and I still have <laughs> and I'm still right all the time. You know, everybody's the hero of their own movies. Of course. That's how I look at it. So, <laughs> you're a cunt. I'm usually the slut that gets killed first yeah. in my own movie. Weird. Right? And hot. <laughs> All right. Yet somehow my movie's still going. It's 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 so <laughs> bizarre. Don't don't look at that too hard. Right. <laughs> there are too many holes in that. <laughs> wah, wah. All right. Um, that's it for questions. I don't want to. John had a question about uh, books, and I don't want to get into it right now because I want to talk about this shitty, shitty movie that books we're are good. Books are good. You know what's not good? <laughs> Thirty-one. We'll be right back. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and David as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on iTunes, and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter, at VDClinicPod, or email them at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. And still, they just might be contagious. Get information or a pamphlet at most pharmacies or a health clinic. If you need help, see a doctor. Others. 
I will persist and survive without God's or society's sanction. I will not be tortured. I will not be punished. I will not be guilty. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thy body and soul for everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee. Rob Zombies 31. This was really. I'm out. <laughs> this was released last year, I think. <laughs> I didn't get a, get a year. Who gives a shit? Synopsis Uncle. is uh, five carnival workers are. I don't know why I said that that way. Five carnival. Fuck. Five carnival workers are kidnapped and held hostage in an abandoned hell like compound where they are forced to participate in a violent game, the goal of which is to survive 12 hours against a gang of sadistic clowns. This was written and directed by Rob Zombie, and I will call both those into question. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie is Charlie. Jeff Daniel Phillips is Roscoe. Uh, Lawrence Hilton is... Or, I'm sorry. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs is Panda Thomas. Uh, Meg Foster is Venus. Kevin Jackson is uh, LaVon Wally. Michael McDowell is slumming for a paycheck. Jane Carr is Sister Serpent. Judy Geeson is Sister Dragon. Richard Brake is Doomhead. Pancho Moller is Sickhead. David Uri is Schizohead. Lou Temple is Psychohead. Torsten Vogus is Deathhead. Elizabeth Daly is Sexhead. And Michael Alcott is Fat Randy. Robert Zombie, you can go fuck yourself. Jamie Jenkins is Boardhead. Fuck Damons. this movie. Damons. Holy shit. <laughs> so, I... Duncan McLeish is Headhead. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Don't give me cliches. Give me head. Nah. Um, heed. 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 It's like a fucking orange and a toothpick. It's got its own gravitational pull and everything. Heed. Change. No. Oh, my God. So, I... I for the longest time, I, I was, as I would watch Rob Zombie's movies, and I always kind of be like, okay, we get it. You fucking love 70s exploitation movies. 
I never, for some reason, never put it together that the Rosetta Stone for all of his stupid bullshit was Texas Chainsaw Massacre until Baz brought it up. And then it clicked in my head. And I was like, oh, holy shit, that explains everything. And wouldn't you know it, if he is not ripping off Texas Chainsaw Massacre left and fucking right in this movie, Jesus, God damn it. I shots that gives this movie a lot of credit. No, he those shots of (laughs) Sherry Moon's eyes. The word movie gives this movie a lot of credit. That's true. But the shots, the close up shots of her fucking eyes when they're like rolling around. Yeah, he fucking ripped that off from there. He's not even being subtle anymore. This movie is fucking garbage. Okay, it was fucking tedious. I don't. Oh god damn it! So it starts with fucking Doomhead, who of course is once again a Rob Zombie villain who has entirely too much shit to say and is not actually saying anything while they're spewing their Tarantino-esque bullshit, which is terrible. Do not sully Tarantino terrible because with a comparison it's Rob Zombie, to Zombie trying to write Tarantino. There you go. Because Zombie, one thing vision. Zombie, well, there are a lot of things Zombie can't do, but one of them is definitely dialogue. God damn His dialogue it. is shite. Yeah. And... The word Tarantino doesn't belong anywhere near him. He li- he puts them on diatribes, but that doesn't make it good. No, no, but it, you, that's and that's what I what I realized as I was watching this is that he's he's not actually like he can occasionally have moments of being a good director, but this this was Rob Zombie's. Hey, look at all these other directors that I look at all these other movies I really like. Let me just steal shit from them, cause that's cool. Like that, a fucking obnoxious. The oh god, the fucking scene in the in the fucking big top cage with the fucking colored lights. I'm like, stop it! You're not fucking Argento. Just fucking stop that. It looks like shit, and this is fucking stupid. This oh, I I really fucking hated this movie. For a movie that promises carnies. Right. <laughs> because I'm down with that. Um, actually, Meg Foster, interestingly, starred in a film with Jodie Foster entitled, entitled Carney. Oh, interesting. From like 1980. Oh. Um, and Gary Busey is in it. Wow. As I think a carnival clown. He better be. Um, at any rate. Just to remind us all of an, a movie that would be a million times better than 31, um, <laughs> which is sadly Gary Busey-less. <laughs> but, like, there's no plot to this movie. No. It is some awful people in an RV who are apparently carnies. Right. Get chatted up by the girl who sang the theme song for better off dead is that what that was that's who she is okay and, and also, was also from valley girl and from, she does that power one of the powerpuff girls voices oh, okay. uh and she was dotty in peewee's big adventure yeah yeah i love i do like her a lot like i outside of this uh, i've always well, liked sure. her there are plenty She's of good actors high really shaming themselves in this movie. Yep. Uh, um, but so a bunch of carnies in an RV 
Dottie uh, is like, hey, are you guys traveling anywhere in particular? And they're like, uh, you know, kind of. And she's like, okay, I guess I found our victims. Oops, did I say that out loud? And then trots <laughs> off. And then they get uh, shanghaied by, uh, you know, Malcolm McDowell and two other ladies in Louis the Fourteenth style clothing. And the whole deal is you have 12 hours to survive while we throw Rob Zombie characters at you. Right. Including it, a Nazi midget for some fucking reason. You know what? That's the point. That was the immediate point uh, Immediate point of this film where I was like, oh, go fuck myself? Right? Okay. Right? <laughs> a Nazi midget spewing Spanish. Right? Yeah. Right. It's just and no and, and no subtitles for any of the shit he's talking. No subtitles for the German guy and anything he, any of the shit he's talking. So thanks. Apparently, I don't need to pay attention to what's being said in this fucking movie. Rob Zombie fans don't know how to read. <laughs> you know, Fair this enough. is one of those subtitles. I didn't pay my goddamn money to sit here and read no fucking text on the motherfucking screen. God damn it. I came I mean, to you're a re- movie for picture like show. <laughs> you're <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right for once, Duncan. <laughs> um, Thank you, boy. I try. I do try. But, but like, I mean, this is, we've kind of privately said this to one another, that this is a movie that feels like someone trying to make a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. You know, it is, let's, here's the weirdo character and everybody's got some facial hair, um, including strangely Meg Foster. <laughs> um, but it's all just awful people who could not conduct themselves would be a little bit brash showing up at a Denny's. That's the kind of people we're talking about. And then like crazy villains murder them in a grindhouse fashion. Right. And it's set in the seventies somewhere in the South and it's fucking redneck bullshit again. And it's just, there's it's fucking, Oh God damn it. Like why? It's why the are stuff they I just... didn't like in Halloween. Yeah, it's, Halloween it's all yeah. It's it's all the shit that I hated in House of a Thousand Corpses. It's all the shit I hated in the Halloween movies. It's all of the shit that I hated in say in fucking Lords of Salem. So can we just all agree? Rob Zombie is not a good writer. He should stop writing his own movies because they're fucking garbage when he writes. Well, oh, for the absolutely. most part, let somebody else well, write I... his. I, I if he wants to come up with stories, that's fine. If he wants some like key dialogue bits, that's fine. Rob, write your script and then give it to somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing, and they'll clear it up and make it coherent. And then maybe you can make it, or just not allow him to make his own stories anymore because he's too fucking precious as a director to not have any kind of restraint. Because that was another problem that I have with his fucking direction, especially in this movie. <laughs> But most, but easily can be pointed out with the Halloween remakes, those theatrical cuts were a hundred times better than those fucking director's cuts, which are fucking trash. Those are dumpster fires of movies, especially the second one. The second one at least made some kind of sense in the theater. That fucking director's cut's a goddamn dumpster fire. And he's since proven that if you let him just do his own thing, he's going to just dumpster fire it at some point which is the last 15, 20 minutes of fucking Lords of Salem, and then this piece of shit. 
I typically think he has an interesting visual style and that he can be a good director. He has flourishes. But none of that was present in this film. No. I don't know who the hell was behind the camera in this film because it sure as shit didn't seem like it was him. I mean, the, you, for one, especially during the scene with the two brothers with the chainsaws, you couldn't see a goddamn thing. Because the camera was shaking and, so much, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? This doesn't even look like a zombie film. I mean, like, I was, one I, thing I will give Lords of Salem, and I thought that film was beautiful. Oh, like, it, it was, was well done. I, I love... I love the look of Devil's Rejects. Yeah. You know, incidentally, those are the only two Rob Zombie films that I really like. Um, but that it's, I'm watching this and I'm like, who the hell is making this movie? You know, but it just, he didn't give any fucks about it. I mean, you know the story behind this movie. He wanted yeah. to make his hockey movie. They said, nope. So he said, okay, fine. I will throw together the first thing that comes into my mind. And he has openly admitted that. He's openly said, yeah, it was the first thing I thought of. So I said, fuck it. You know, five and... minutes is what he said. It took him five minutes to come up with a concept. Yeah, yeah. and I believe it. Yeah, seems I long. believe it. Yeah, <laughs> and he didn't give a, <laughs> and he didn't give a fuck. And how many people picked up on the Carpenter esque oh, music? Oh my that god, was... I was yeah. going to bring that up because that pissed me off. I mean, it was like I'm listening to. I'm like, well, that's from Halloween. Oh, well, that's from the thing. Well, that's from you know, and it's just like little bits here and there. But I like that's it was pretty. Prominent. It's not really an homage. That was your entire fucking soundtrack, yeah. dude. You just you just didn't have any fucks to give. So you were like, "Our right, here, we'll do this," and then Carpenter fans will think it's cool. No, asshole, I think it's lazy. It remind you know in a weird way. It kind of reminded me, like when I think back to when House of a Thousand Corpses came out, and like hearing about it and like all the shit that was going on with it and how he couldn't get it released. I think in a weird way, if this had been that, it would have made perfect sense because it's the same. Like, this is exactly the kind of shit that I would have expected him to make when they announced House of Thousand Corpses. Like, this is the kind of just, oh, yeah, that guy who does horror music. Oh, yeah, he's going to make some kind of ridiculous garbage. That would be this. Grant, I also think House of Thousand Corpses is kind of garbage, too, because it's a fucking mess. But it's way more of a movie. It's than more this of a movie is. than this. Yes. It's, it is. It is also way more original, even though that was a direct, pretty much ripoff of Texas Chainsaw, which yeah, yeah. when I was coming out of the theater from seeing House of a Thousand Corpses, I was like, yeah, I really liked that the first time when it was called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. I mean, it that was a like, I mean, my God, we all know what you love. Yeah. I mean, we get it. Like you said, David. Yeah. Um, but even that had more originality than this. Yeah, this is just this. is Yeah. And. The whole like it took him five minutes. That does not surprise me. That that feels like it because there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing here. There's no motivation for the villains. There's nothing. It's just hey, here's this group of assholes. They're gonna go fight for some reason one on one with these clown guys because you know why we're 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 good sports for for some reason we're the bad guys but we decide to be good sports and let you fight one on one with these fucking idiots instead of just. I would have been way more interested in watching this movie if it, if all of those fucking painted goons had been running around all at once. That would have been. Well, see, then it would have been slashers, which I think would arguably has a lot more to offer than this film. And uh, Maurice Devereaux made that film about fifteen years prior. Well, I'll have to check and that it's way better. I th I mean, now the production value on slashers is really low, right. but the intent behind it and the Unlike idea behind 31. it. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> the idea behind it, I mean, it was ba- that was basically his because it was a reality show. Oh, okay. So it was uh, this. This was his take on or his sort of moral treaties on on where re- reality shows were headed at the time. Mm. And it's a Japanese game show where they take people and stick them into a course with slashers who are like in costumes and they're chasing them around and the goal is to get out of there and win a million dollars. So, um, but I, I think that film does it way better than this movie does. Yeah. Every movie that he rips off for this movie does it better than this movie does it. Yeah. He's got, (laughs) he's he's got like, it's not just Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. It's, it's, it's Toby Hooper in general, yeah, because the, the, there are elements of things like Funhouse in this movie. Yeah, um, that's yeah, the you one know, I, was, like, I couldn't think of because I, I, I was because I was like, wait, I kept thinking like Toby Hooper had done something besides Texas Chainsaw. And I, I know Poltergeist, but the Spielberg movie. Um, but yeah, Funhouse totally, totally spaced me out. But that you're spot on. That is another one that that yeah, it's got that. And Funhouse he's kind of. He's kind of he's kind of almost emulating Hooper's career to an extent yeah. in terms of the longer he goes on as a director, the more incoherent what he's trying to put across is coming out. It's it's really really weird. I mean, this movie, yeah, we we've all privately said it's like Rob Zombie is trying to make a Rob Zombie movie, but you know hasn't quite worked it. Yeah, how that how you do that, which is kind of weird in and of itself. Um, I think what Rob Zombie is really good at doing is almost like kind of like a proof of concept of an idea. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the technicalities involved in creating that idea beyond this vision, I'm sure he was sitting there and he just had this vision of these people in clown makeup, wielding chainsaws and axes and all the rest. And, you know, he was like, right, that, I want to see that in a movie. That's fine. That's fine. But at that point, like you said, David, that's when you sit down with script writers and you you say right here's here's what I kind of see. How do we make that a movie? There's a huge defense of this movie from people that say, well, it's Rob Zombie doing a seventies exploitation movie. And if you go back and look at a lot of those exploitation, that's movies, all he ever fucking does. Right. Yeah, those grindhouse movies from the seventies, they're not very well written, and the characters aren't very well developed. And right, that's correct in that in that medium. However, we're not in nineteen seventy three. Right. We're in 2016 and as cinema goers Mm -hmm. we kind of demand you know nay not even demand we expect characters to be not just yet nay (laughs) not just nay yes Yes. thank you um just classing everything everything in this movie is two-dimensional there is there is nothing that is all superficial every character is a superficial construct of a Rob Zombie archetype character, there, there's no background. There's, there's nothing there to, to make you sympathise, empathise, care remotely about where the story is going. And mm-hmm. the story itself is so poorly put together that at no point here have I. I mean, our, our first introduction to our main characters, one of them talks about face fucking or skull fucking and like the first sentence i'm like right what you know this that he clearly has a hard on for that because i think that's what the stepfather in halloween 
threatens one of them with his skull fucking. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I understand that Rob Zombie likes to lease his movies with these colourful languages and all that. And I just, but it just doesn't, you cannot make me sympathise with a character if initially they come across as reprehensible. And he's he has an inability Thank to you. make you connect with anyone in these movies. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Sherry Moon Zombie is our main. She's our she's our final girl. She's the heroine of this movie. She's the one we'll get by. She is. Does anyone? I can't even remember her character's name. I watched this movie again. Charlie. This is the Charlie. Fucking third time I've watched this movie this year. Um, thanks, David. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. But I I can't I, I I remember so little about any of the characters in this movie because. He doesn't care about the characters in this movie, so that that's translated through through how we watch it. The the only character, the only great idea he has in this movie is Doomhead as a character who unfortunately has this great visual image. And we, I I do believe when I watch this that Richard Brake is is perfectly cast for this kind of psychopathic, nihilistic killer who's literally killing for the money. That's all he cares about. He's he's out there to kill for the money, right? But he is given horrible dialogue to to spout out, which just makes me not interested in this character. Mm -hmm. The perfect setup for this movie is, and I've said it, I said it on my show when when the Baz was reviewing it, is you sh- you either set it in one or two scenarios. The first scenario is you have thirty one as the game in the maze, and it's just Doomhead hunting them. Just one, give us one good killer that's hunting them that I actually fear when I see, because the rest of them I don't. Um, and you set up that way, or give us like. Give us like a Hitcher-esque movie where Doomhead's a psychopathic fucking serial killing clown that just stalks these people in their RV as they're traveling to their next carny destination. Just fucks with them all the way through it. Oh, I, I like that. that. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. He's the only interesting character in this movie. Malcolm McDowell and his fucking harem of two really old women uh, who are like dolled up to the nines in this sort of weird artisan fucking Louis the 14th fucking makeup isn't that's never why are they there to do that that doesn't make sense it's totally strange for the rest of the movie to play 31 this this game which is never really explained Um, it is just so poorly put together that by the time we get to the end which is this you know this kind of, I'm, I'm assuming what he's trying to do at the end of this movie is see how far Sherry Moon Zombie's characters come. She's now, she's no longer scared. She's going to stand up and she's going to face the evil head on. Let's do this. Didn't care. No, nope. did not fucking care. Roll the credits. Get me out of this. This this movie is almost an hour and three quarters long. Yeah. And any movie that it is emulating from the fucking 70s would have been an hour and 20 tops. Yeah. 20 minutes of a midget running around with a Hitler moustache. What the fuck is going on, Rob Zombie? Yeah, and I, I, no, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Oh, the 70s. Uh, get fucked. Because... It's just an excuse. No, it's that's an excuse what I mean. Bad, right? That's, the, that's what yeah. I mean. Like, the people are saying, oh, well, the movies of the 70s. You know the movies of the 70s that people actually remember and give a shit about and, you know, don't... Yeah. Like, ironically, 
they actually had decent writing in them. They they had something decent about them. This is they had to fucking try back then because even if you didn't have, if you wanted to make a movie, even if it was a low budget movie, you still had to have some kind of money. You still had to have some kind of know how. You had to have people that know how to run the equipment. Uh, You can't just some average fucking Joe couldn't just walk off the street and go, "I'm going to make a movie for seven dollars." I mean, no, you can do that now. You couldn't do that then. So even Lois. Yeah, I mean, if you could raise <laughs> well, the money, right. you could do it, but it was a yeah. it was significantly more difficult. But and... yeah, but it still took it still took some kind of skill even to make a shitty movie, right? And and the, it's yeah. just this. If this had been released in the seventies, this would have probably been forgotten, and this would have been buried in some other bin because it's it's it's, it's been it's been it's already been buried. You know, I mean, the thing is, Rob Zombie doesn't know how to do characters. He nope. has one character, yep. and that is that is a completely distasteful unlikable asshole every character in every one of his movies even sherry and sherry moon in this film and i actually like sherry moon zombie i have no issue with him using his wife as the lead in all of his movies because i know for a fact if brian were to make a movie i'd be in it yep. i mean it's just i you know i get that she's you know i don't bad. have a problem with and i like her i think she's i think she's adorable but the first time we see her in this film, not the very, not the first frame, but like really early on in this film, she's fucking with one of the local guys, Yeah, you know, and I'm like, that's not, that's disgusting. You're, you're a disgusting human being. That's what, this is who you are. You're, but by the end of the film, we're supposed to care about her. Nope. Um, and he doesn't know how to do that. He doesn't understand how to do that. Just like with the teenagers in Halloween, every one of them were despicable cunts. How the hell am I supposed to give a fuck? What happens to these people who are horrible, horrible human beings? And it's difficult to tell who are the fucking villains and who are the and who are the actual people. But the way he constructs a character is make them disgusting, make them like make them look disheveled and unkempt, and then have them cuss so much that if they were to walk into a room, Heather Donahue would run out. Yeah. It's like it. Normal people don't behave this way. You know, on the average. But as far as he's concerned, apparently, every person he has ever run to, run into in his entire life behaves this way. Because that's how he constructs his world. And it's just, you cannot, you cannot actually watch this and go, yeah, this is, that's legit. Yeah, he you know, has that's this how people, really bizarre, that's how people are. white trash fucking yeah, thing going. Yeah, that's, he sees everything through this white trash lens. And it gets really fucking old, Yeah, you know, um. I really and, like that you kind of dunked on Heather Donahue there. Slip that in. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't come up at all on this show. Just like fuck you, Heather Donahue. While we're at it, well, no, it's just she cusses. She cusses a lot, you know. It, um, that's the whole point there. But um, <laughs> and even Richard Brake. Okay, now Duncan, I will give it to you. I think that I think that he is doing the best he can with what he's given mm-hmm. here. I do. I think that his delivery is fine, but I think the the massive flaw lies within his character from the ground up, because what you have here is a guy who is so cocksure. He is walking around. I am the baddest motherfucker that ever lived. I am the killer to end all killers. We're in hell and we're eating popcorn because because I got some shitty dialogue to go along with it, and. <laughs> Uh, he's like, you know, no one can top me. I am the best at what I do. I get paid a whole lot of scratch to live like a homeless meth addict. 
And uh, <laughs> this is who I am. You call me in, the job is done. So they call him in, and he's like, what have I got to work with? They're like, four and a half hours. He's like, all right, well, that's tight, but I can do it. Right? So then he dicks around for four and a half fucking hours because he's a pro. This is what you do as a pro. You dick around. All we see him do is kill a priest that's already tied down. He walks up behind an 80-pound Meg Foster and stabs her in the back when she doesn't even know he's coming. And then he manages to kill a guy who's already 80% dead. So... <laughs> How exactly is this fucking threatening? Because in the end, he fails. He fails miserably because the timer runs out because he's too busy talking about how much of a badass he is. Well, that makes you a failure, son. And he actually has her in his grasp and he fucks around and misses yeah. the timer. So in the end, when he comes back, when he sees her straggling down the road and she can barely fucking move because she's been through 12 hours of pure fucking hell. And she's beat to shit. And she's bloody from head to toe. And this little girl sees him coming and she manages to still have the wherewithal to stand up against him with her bare fist. And he pulls out his two switchblades with that e shit-eating grin on his face. And then, and then it stops right there. And we're supposed to go, yeah, he got her because he's a badass. How fucking badass does that make you, <laughs> She can barely goddamn move. If you do manage to kill her, you're still a fucking pussy. And if she whips your ass, that's even worse. And I'll tell you this much. My money's on her. Because at this point, <laughs> all of her friends are dead. She has a will to live that he has repeatedly underestimated. And at this point, she's got nothing to lose. So I... Bet you money she whooped his goddamn ass. And I hope she did because I can't stand him. <laughs> Woo! And I'm done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I, what I think about, quote, the best part of this movie, end quote, I, uh, which is what everyone <laughs> says. And I'm not talking about you, Duncan. This is what everyone says. I, everyone I think... says he's the best part of the movie. Yeah, and you just is. care way more about this movie than I ever did. In fairness to what I said, um, I think that's why that's why I think he's the best part of the the movie <laughs> is that he is like he's the only one that is like a fully acknowledged piece of shit character. You know what I mean, he is the maybe that maybe that's why he is the best is that he doesn't. What like you doesn't know. He doesn't say he's the best because he finishes. He always finishes the game in time for him. He's just the best in that he doesn't appear to have any fucking morals at all. He will walk up behind someone and stab them. He will fucking gut a, a you know, a, a eighty percent dead person, and he will attack a woman at the end of this movie with two switchblades when she's totally fucked and all the rest. That's kind of what makes the the character like. He's the only piece of shit that actually feels like a proper piece of shit. The rest of them feel like accidental pieces of shit. Like they've kind of just walked into a Rob Zombie movie. Uh, you know, like uh, like five minutes ago they were doing something else, and then they walked in and someone shoved some fucking makeup on them, and they've been given a chainsaw. I thought because everyone in this movie is inherently an like every single person is inept. Um, every single killer, every single person with the ta with the surname Head in this movie is fully inept because none of them do their job right at all. The toy. If this was like the spectacle it's supposed to be, it would be over pretty fucking quick. But none of them do. They all fucking fuck around and cock around. To the point that that's how the, the movie ends, and this movie almost ends the same way that the Purge movie ends, which. 
the fact it does like his movie ends the same way as the purge movie ends and yep. i hate the end of the purge i fucking hate the end of the purge um and, and that that it's like rob zombie couldn't even be bothered killing his wife or making yeah. her the hero like or making her like the ultimate champion it's such a fucking cop-out it, it reeks to me of maybe i can get another movie made out of this one and if i do that i need to have one of these two characters around to make that movie i either focus on my quote-unquote kind of devil's reject s movie where we follow the villains but try and make them as goodies or i try and bring her back as the survivor somewhere down the line um and i wouldn't put it past him that's the sort of asshole <laughs> rob zombie is that he would try and make a fucking sequel to this movie and that's not even before i start talking about how much i am pissed off with the way he released this movie because this movie was going to be you pledge your money i've, I've spouted about this before but you pay your money into this fucking Kickstarter campaign so I can get this movie made, so I can give you the goriest, the fucking, you know, the most violent version of this movie. You give me your money and I'll make that happen. And fuck studios because you you support me, so we'll get them pressed on Blu-ray and I'll get them sent it to you so you have this uncut movie and all the rest. And that's how he sold this movie, right? He was going to give you this, this great spectacle. The movie then gets cut and it gets sent it for release and what Rob Zombie tells you to do is pay to watch this movie go watch this movie watch the movie now and when the backlash comes in that you know there's not where's the blood because this movie is surprisingly not you know not gory for a movie that promised to be hella gory right you know what I mean it, it really doesn't have that much in the way of anything and he's like that, oh no, no, it's because they cut it. You, but if you buy the Blu-ray, you'll get... So I've got to pay twice to see this fucking movie, Rob Zombie? No, fuck you. Fuck you very much. People paid in money into your campaign, so you would give them the gore. You would. That's that's what this was supposed to be, the saving grace of this movie, was how gory and violent it was. And that's all cut out of it. The version that made its way to fucking VOD and all the rest is this stripped-back, pussified version of this movie, which, I mean, really sums up really sums up how much he cares about this movie. Didn't care about the dialogue, didn't care about the story, and didn't really fight to have all the things he was selling the movie on in the final product. I've not I've not seen the quote unquote uncut version, but I've I've heard no one tell me that if I watch it my opinion will change of this movie, which speaks fucking volumes for it. No. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this to me feels like the biggest fuck you to his fans that he could yeah. have possibly done. And yet you still have droves of people out there who are defending him on this. Yeah, I don't get who it. Are, who are claiming that this is a fantastic film. They love Rob Zombie and this is this is a great film. And I'm, are you high? Really? <laughs> I was Because I honestly would be pissed off. I would be insulted if I had someone tell me yeah i know i appreciate what you guys are doing for me i appreciate you funding my project mm -hmm. here's how much of a damn i give because he openly said he didn't give a fuck yeah, yeah. i want to hear what uh, bo thinks <laughs> i yeah, love bo. this movie you... <laughs> uh, bo to the stand in the uh devour the podcast the, versus the... robert zombie <laughs> mr zombie um <laughs> Just turn into one of his shitty characters, chomp on a cigar, and <laughs> Mr. Zombie, you smell like pussy. I'm going um, to go fuck you. 
Yeah. Oh God. I mean, yeah. I mean, you guys have kind of <laughs> you stole all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, which is that? Yeah. It like none of the. How could you possibly care about any of these characters? You know, uh, the Duncan's point about Doomhead being kind of the thing you hang your hat on. Um, at least in terms of like everybody in this movie is a piece of shit, but at least I know I'm not supposed to like this one. Yeah. You know, the movie has told me that much. Um, so yeah, I think the ending's dumb. I, I I don't think there's any plot here. It's yeah, there is some gore, I guess. Now that I'm thinking about it, like after you were talking about how, how it was promised to be gory. It's like, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of that in there, but the movie's just so shitty. (laughs) Who cares? You know, um, it's the old line about like, nobody ever left a a theater humming the special effects. Like that can enhance a movie. But if the only thing you're watching the movie for is the effects, then, then you should watch a Guinea pig or some shit like that because that's green inferno cough, cough. Oh god, fuck you! The fucking no, I'm sorry, dude. I heard a lot of people defending that movie on the fucking special effects. I was like, no, go fuck There's one yourself. really good scene for special effects. I actually defend. I actually defend that movie on all counts. I really like that movie. That movie's terrible. Uh, you know, I mean, person. like the special effects can be good in a bad movie, just as the like the music can be really good in a shitty movie. Yeah, um, you know, so. Yeah, so like maybe there are some good uh, effects in in this film. I don't remember anything standing out to me as nope. being particularly great. Um it's not like like even that Marcus Nispel um Exeter Chainsaw Massacre. No, not Exeter. Oh. Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up the half-face decapitation thing which, you know, No, no, no. I was going back to the uh the the suicide in the van. You know, it's like this really cool moment I remember from that movie, even though I think that movie is uh, an abortion. (laughs) Uh, It's what doctors call it. And um, and I think 31 doesn't even rise to the level of abortion, to be honest. (laughs) You know, it's like a pullout. Right. It's the ejected. (laughs) It is vaginal blood fart. Yeah, it's a it's a vaginal like and say it like one of his characters, you know, it's a bloody vaginal fart uh, of uh, of a film. Would his character say vaginal? No, they probably say pussy. Yeah, fart it's, or something. Yeah. yeah, it's a bloody pussy fart, and there's some no bloody twat snot. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh my god! It, Welcome <laughs> to America, Duncan. Yeah, <laughs> we talk now. Grab by the bloody pussy fart. They like it. Mm. Get away with it. Um, yeah, it, I, I mean, it's just a cover-to-cover terrible movie. It 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 is the the worst impulses of Rob Zombie as a writer, which is all that terrible, theoretically kind of white trash dialogue. But I know a lot of white trash, as it turns out, and they're actually better people than that. Uh, thank you. That's exactly that was exactly my point. The fact that he places this in Georgia, like what the fuck, what who, yeah, who? yeah. And, and like, I know some really trashy people. I'm related to some of them, and <laughs> not a goddamn know. one of them is like this. In fairness, I don't know a ton of carnies, <laughs> but 
I'm assuming that carnies are human beings and thus don't speak to one another as if they're all like auditioning for class clown of the fourth grade. Right. Uh, <laughs> except that they learned all the dirty words in third grade. Um, it, yeah, the, like all the characters are terrible. The special effects are whatever. Um, the music sounds like every Rob Zombie movie only you've run out of all the good songs by now. Um, yeah, I actually read an art or I was, I saw the headline, an article that was basically he's with this film. He was scraping the bottom of the seventies barrel and came up empty. Yep. It's the kind of movie much like, um, not so much green inferno, but let's say knock, knock. Where after watching it, you start to rethink your position on an entire director's films. Yeah. Because how could somebody that did something good like this, uh, you know, like a Devil's Rejects, for example. Yeah. How could that same person also be capable of Of this dumpster fire? Yeah, I had the same thought last night. And and so you know it's it's sort of like knock knock and hostile for me of like uh, but I love hostile so much but I think you're an asshole <laughs> and, uh, and I'm I'm starting to have that fear with Rob Zombie that he's just never going to do another good movie um, it's just going to be him parodying himself mm-hmm. until we all just stop looking. And, yeah, well, it, did, it didn't even want to. That's it. Like Jamie touched on it earlier on when when we were saying that he was wanting to do this hockey movie is because he didn't want to do another horror movie. He'd said so. Like after Lords of Salem, he was like that. I'm done. I don't really think I have anything else that I want to see, you know, and horror. I've, I've, I've kind of, I've done my horror movies. I've got that in my system. I want to continue making movies. I just don't want to do them in this genre anymore. So that's to me is completely evident from watching 31. Yeah. There's no new voice. There's nothing at all. In fact, if anything, he's 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 parodying the stuff that he's already done in this movie. It feels lackluster. It feels unfocused. It does just kind of feel like he's he's doing it. To, and also take into account the the time period it came out in, in terms of the the news that was going around. So he spent like a couple of years trying to get the hockey movie off the ground it never happened he was then linked um to do a a kind of manson family-esque tv show being written by brett easton ellis oh yeah and that was all yeah that was like big news and that got quite far in development before it got pulled as well so and that's when 31 comes out so it's like he has this really cool project he wants to do this passion project doesn't happen Right, but now this other opportunity, something that which he clearly has a, like a huge interest in, which is the Manson family, um, and he gets opportunity to work with Brett Easton Ellis, who's like one of his favourite authors. So that op- that option comes up. That looks like it's going to go ahead, um, and then that Aquarius TV show comes out and kind of really steals its thunder, and that's covering a very similar subject matter. So they just don't want to touch it anymore. So that doesn't happen. So he kind of has to fall back on. I need to do something. I need to put out something creatively. I need to do it quick. And 31 is, is like, when you look at it in terms of the context of what was happening, it totally makes sense. The guy, but then I think it's almost a con that I think he gets, I think 
horror fans and the horror media in particular were so quick to to lumber a tag of potential future master of horror on him, on Eli Roth, on people like Ty West, even though I think Ty West is a really good filmmaker. You know, these tags were flung on pretty much after the first movie yeah. because they're like well Craven's not putting out movies anymore and you know Carpenter's not putting out movies and like sure Gordon's not really doing so these guys are on the way out so we need this we need these new people that we can pin our hopes on these future voices I think Rob Zombie was given too much too soon and as a result of that very much like Eli Roth I think the expectations were always too high for what he could deliver I mean House of a Thousand Corpses is all right for what it is. Devil's Rejects really does feel like a fluke. But then I see Lords of Salem, and there's so much in Lords of Salem which is excellent. Like, and it's not just the way, the way it's shot. The, I really like the way the story's told and a lot of the dialogue in the first mm-hmm. two thirds of that movie. I just think at the end it just becomes generic Rob Zombie movie. Um, so I, the, it's not that he can't do it. I just feel like. It's maybe too much work for him, and I don't even necessarily think getting someone to write a better script for him it necessarily will, because ultimately he has full creative control over the end product. Uh, and as a director, I don't think he can. I don't think he can stick to doing one thing which isn't right. out with you know what he's comfortable doing, well, and this is what yeah. he's comfortable doing, and it's not good. Yeah, it's like I said, he doesn't have the rest- he has no restraint as director. No. So yeah, I will say the Meg Foster character to me seems to be, but even he he fucks even that up. But like she seems to be one of the most redeeming characters, and uh, Jesus guy, I don't know his name, but the guy at the end who the he's the eighty percent dead guy who basically yeah. sacrifices himself for Charlie. He seems to be a decent decent guy. Um, and Meg Foster actually tries to save the girl on the mattress and she really cares. Like she's a, she seems to be a decent human being, but then he fucks that up because we have that whole scene where she's like tutoring the new girls. Um, right. That's her where kind she's of introduction like, to that. Character, yeah. Where right. she's like sucky, sucky, fucky, fucky money, money. And I'm like, God, yeah, you can't even have just one decent character without making them do something <laughs> reprehensible, yep. you know, just. Can we have just one person who's completely decent? Can you do yeah, that? No. Can, can we have one pure character? Who no. fucked can... him up so bad in his life that he really truly believes this is how all people are? That's what I well, want I think, to I think what, what's the, the weird thing about it is, like, if memory serves, Rob Zombie's parents were carnies, I think. I might be wrong about that. that actually, sure... sounds, no, that sounds familiar. I think you might be right. So he must have, like... He must have grown up. I don't believe for one second that every single person he came in contact to with as a child um, was like this. I, I can't. I can't believe that. Um, I just. I, it's like he. It's like you know what it is. It's like you know when <laughs> there's a couple of things that reminds me of. Like, see when someone tries to tell me, like, see if I have a conversation with someone I've never met before or, you know, someone that I've recently started working with or someone I've worked with for years who's taken zero interest in me. But one day there's a conversation over the water cooler and they ask me what I've been up to. And I say, oh, I've been at a gig at the weekend. And they're like, oh, you, what did you go and see? And I'm like, you've never heard of this band, so it's fine. They're like, no, no, what's what's the name of the band? And I'd say something like, I don't know, like Sepultura, right? I went to see Sepultura and they're like, oh, what's that like? And I go, it's like, oh, it's the, they're heavy metal. 
and they're like, oh, is it all that like this? Because that's all they take away. That's all they take away from what they hear. So if they hear a heavy metal song, all they take away is a kind of vocal thing. That's how Rob Zombie sees horror movies. That's literally how he sees. That's how he sees movies from the nineteen seventies. That's all he took away from those movies in the nineteen seventies, and that's what you get. In the, that's you get. It feels like a a horror like someone that has watched a horror movie that has not understood, not had, or not even had a care about the content of what they've seen to be asked to make a horror movie. So they focused on all the most reprehensible parts of everything and flung it in a movie with none of the. None of the likability, none of the uh, the three dimensionality of anything. It's just as a superficial surface, and everything I look at, I dislike. And that's the entire movie. That's the one from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that's... needs to tell him that. Uh, uh, it's like your villain. Your villains be your normal people, and it kind of worked in Devil's Rejects because. Even though they were horrible, horrible people, you still—he somehow ended up making you connect with them uh, on like a familial level. At least I always in—I was in weird level. Um, and even though I knew they were evil people, I sigh. Um, which I—that's what I love about that film. I love that he was able to do that. Unfortunately, he's never been able to do that again. And I think that he seems to, uh, that's how we, and I was like, oh, well, that's an, I, I guess I gave him too much credit. Really, that wasn't an interesting, that was how he sees everyone. So if someone needs to tell him, no, no, if you have people who are supposed to be heroes, if they're supposed to be the good people, they don't act the same way that your evil people do. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be different. I think no one has ever actually told him that. Probably <laughs> or, not. Or something. I don't know. All right. Um, it's just, yeah, yeah, okay. That's great, this piece <laughs> of shit. We could do this forever. We really could. <laughs> Bo Ransdell. This is a head-scratchingly bad movie. Um, it does make you rethink. It Like, here's the question on the table for me. Is it just a fuck this movie, or is this movie incomplete? Is there a real movie here? Mm. And... Man, I I don't know that there is a whole movie in this. I I don't know. Uh, all right, all right. I, I'm let's just go with the fuck this movie. I don't. I, if I pick at this thread, I'll go mad. Um, <laughs> I see. What, I can see an argument there for that, though. I mean, if I would, I would even agree with you. Yeah, I think it's not even a whole movie. It's you know. So yeah. All right, Jamie. Uh, man, fuck this movie and its meatloaf dinner eating Rocky Horror Picture Show ripoff scene. I'm, it's just, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing more than than an incomprehensible regurgitation of everything he's taken in from all the films that were actually good over the years. That's all what right. I'll say. Duncan. It's a fuck this movie. This is this is this to me 
makes me unhappy, but at the same time highlights what I've been saying for for a very very long time about Mister Robert Zombie is that um, people people jumped on that 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 train that Rob Zombie is going to be the future of horror train really 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 fucking quick. Yeah, and to become a to become a master of horror, you need to transcend decades with your voice. All the great ones did. They released mm-hmm. like time-tested movies that will, will be re-examined 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line. No one will be re-examining 31 other than to say, this is the point that this guy's career in movies ended. All right. Where we all agreed as one. <laughs> no, we, we see what you have to offer, sir, and we politely say, uh, no, thank you. No, thank you all. Good day, sir. <laughs> good day, sir. Oh, Mr. Data. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I also fuck this movie. It's Fuck you, Rob Zombie. I'm, I'm so tempted to just ban him from the show at this point for this piece of shit. I mean, what do we lose, really? Yeah, um, really, we haven't, we're not losing anything. I mean, we banned the asylum, so... Uh, has Devil's Rejects been done on the show? No. Yeah, but everybody knows that's the good one. Yeah. We don't have to tell them. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I, Fuck you. I'm well, if he that. ever makes his hockey movie, we could be missing out on a potty mouth slap shot. <laughs> Isn't that slap shot? I've been trying to figure out how the fuck Rob Zombie would make a hockey movie. And I don't even, I don't even know. Like, I can't make it work in my head. I don't know. Anyway, Rob Zombie, you're officially banned from Devour the Podcast. Get fucked. Yeah. Good job. You're the I, I, he's he is the first individual, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, but also fuck you. Yeah, no, get fucked. <laughs> yeah, this movie's real bad. You did it to yourself, yeah, sir. Yeah, you deserve this. <laughs> so uh we'll be right back to uh close of the show. So, thank you so much for joining us for episode 118 of Devour the Podcast. This has been super fun. Next episode, Ganjan has, I believe, with Vanessa. I'll double yeah. check my notes on that. <laughs> yeah! You've been banned, zombie. You leave. No Won't sandwich for you. Come back on the show, yeah! <laughs> You'll get a sandwich. You don't... <laughs> Both sounded like the Macho Man Randy Savage. I know, right? But that's kind of who he looks like. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who coming back on the show, dig it? Macho Man would always be welcome. Macho Man would have been a great character in a Rob Zombie movie. Oh my god. Yeah, for sure. It's a wasted opportunity. Don't tell him that. He'll dig him up and use him. Right? Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Always too soon. To say he'd be dead for like three years. Too, too soon. soon. No, that's Ultimate Warrior. Um, 
Macho Man's been dead for like five, five or six, I think. Still too soon for both. Yeah, no, it yep. is. It sucks. Um, uh, God damn it. Some With him goes fully 50% of the wrestlers whose names I know. Oh, shit. <laughs> Once Hogan dies, I'm fucked. <laughs> the world will be a better place without him. He's a, such a piece of shit. That's not true. You knew Rowdy Roddy. Yeah. He's already dead, though. Well, I know, but he knew him. <laughs> Rick Flair's still alive somehow. Woo! Was he? Is that Nature Boy Ric Flair? Is that yes. who we're talking he, about? He yes. the Nature Boy. You okay. cannot have grown up where you live and not be into the wrestling. Surely you don't know my life. You don't know me. Tennessee was a hotbed. Yeah, right. But like nobody I knew was into it, which is you know? so weird. So like Jerry Lawler was from Tennessee, wasn't he? Uh, like yeah, Jerry he Lawler. Memphis. Yeah, but again, I don't like I don't I'm not around people who at, at that point, I'm not around people who are into wrestling. So right. I don't have friends telling me like you really need to watch wrestling. And I had like had no inherent interest in it. No. So I, like, it I wasn't that. I mean, it as... wasn't until like the heyday of Hulk Hogan mm. that it was kind of a deal. And so I that's when I watched it. Okay. And only for a couple of years and then I was like this is unwatchable right well i mean so, it, it's so weird because like i said like lawler ran memphis and like Mem- the memphis territory was fucking huge so it's it's baffling to me that like no one nobody you knew was in wrestling considering how big that place was in the 60s and 70s or, or the 70s and 80s rather well but being from tennessee we rarely acknowledge memphis as part of the state fair enough <laughs> the shithole All right, um, fair enough but what that barbecue there's plenty of good barbecue, and Memphis smells weird. Let's just be honest. <laughs> All right. um, well, I love, I love how Bo's insults have degraded into like what you know. It's got funny hair and a big nose. I don't like it. <laughs> and its mama dresses it funny, right? I, I've been to Memphis. Have the rest of you? Because I it have. smells weird. Okay, I've never it's been, bad, so I don't know. It's kind of like it's just it, it's a city on the river that is falling like the infrastructure there is terrible all the roads are falling apart it's just a shitty shitty place i don't know what you're on about yeah, i lived I there for a couple did... of years i had a radio show with jamie my name was eric back <laughs> oh i probably our, just didn't notice you. because uh when i leave and come back to atlanta i noticed that atlanta smells like pork and beans i don't know why true it's a good weezer song <laughs> Well, Vanessa's been in the South this past couple days and she's been texting me about all the weird shit she's been going through, which is great. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a unique place, but um, Memphis is is more unique than others. Um, Fair enough. But uh, home of Elvis and the ancient Greeks. Hmm. One of those is only only one of those is true. That's a talking head. For the love of God. Have you ever been to Mud Island? Oh, well, God, I need some Nadine on this show. Mud Island? Why Why on earth would you ever set foot on something called Mud Island? <laughs> I didn't go. They went in the firm. <laughs> in the, when Tom Cruise is trying to stay away from the bad what? people, he takes the, the tour. All right, oh, so he does that. How the f- what? 
That's right. It's in Memphis. Okay. <laughs> okay, I needed the connection for why we were talking about the firm all of a sudden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's our it's our acknowledgement to our Lord and Savior Wilford Brimley. Ah. That's happened on every show that me and Bo is on. We need to reference it once, you know, at least in a roundabout way. But you need to give me he's in that movie. You need to do. He is. I'm yeah. a lawyer. God damn it. <laughs> he's not even a lawyer what? though. He's a, like a he's Darth a security Vader. guy or something. Yeah, he's yeah, a private he's detective, a... right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's the head of security for the firm. Right. Ah, sure. I got it. Head the goddamn security. <laughs> and he will punch you out yeah there's a, there's a great bit in the movie where he tries to chase down tro- Tom Cruise gets about four steps into it realises he's fat as fucking and sends the other guy to do it yeah. <laughs> you go on I'll call me not on one of the cell phones neither call me from a good old fashioned goddamn landline I'll be in my office I expect to see the message by Carrier Pigeon <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky flag carrier pigeon. You run after him, tackle him, put him in a cell. You come back and tell me what happened. Uh, so uh, chasing men's young man's game, goddammit. Thank you, Mr. Brimley. Yeah. Here he for moral support, and I support the shit, support the shit out of him. Yeah, Tom Cruise does like beat up a, an old man. Yeah, it's kind of it makes me sad. Like I think I feel like he's like, oh, he's gonna have a heart attack any second because he's beating the crap out of him. But Brimley was a bodyguard back in the day, right? I don't know. I mm. got my first my I'd first uh, introduction to Wilford Brimley was that show Our House. Do you remember that with Shannon Doherty and Chad Allen and what's her name from Days of Our Lives? Do you remember that show? Uh, vaguely sitcom family anyway that was the first time i ever heard anything about Wil- wilford brimley and that was in the 80s i guess late 80s early all right. 90s I don't know. all right let's just get the record straight here this is what <laughs> wilford brimley anthony wilford brimley if you're nasty um, prior to his career in acting says wikipedia brimley dropped out of high school to serve in the united states goddamn marine corps where he served in the Aleutian Islands for three years, probably not rough business in the Aleutian Islands, quite frankly. He worked as a bodyguard for Howard Hughes, was a ranch hand, a wrangler, and a fucking blacksmith. Oh, fuck off. He started his acting career by shooing the horses on sets. <laughs> God damn it. And he is a badass. Oh, this get idea that shoe like... on your goddamn horse. <laughs> I love his idea of him being found by a director similar to how Harrison Ford was found or Bob <laughs> from Twin Peaks. Someone look at him going, no, he's the guy we need for this role. Like, angry American war vet. Can Diabetic. we get him in there? With a kick-ass Diabetic. mustache. I think the first movie I saw him in was Cocoon. Right? <laughs> Where he's playing a, a much more gentler yeah. soul in that movie. Oh, you know what? That's right. That was what, like 85? So I yeah. guess that's the first time I saw him. Yeah, and I always thought it was funny because in that movie, he has the line, you know, we never never get any older, never gonna die. And you're like, you're already old as fuck. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> and, yet, be- and yet, 30 years later, he's still ticking. 
Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, he has no. not aged that much either. <laughs> well, trick is you have to be the guy who put the shoes on Death's horse. God damn it. I put I put a trick shoe on it. I always steers them to the left. They'll never find me, god damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Grim Reaper is a dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> Someone needs to do Nadine. That's what you get with nothing but a goddamn skeleton in a cape. <laughs> Nadine can't appear in this show. There's been nothing to prompt a Nadine impression. <laughs> Wait, that's literally what that's literally what the Jamie don't ever listen to Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaks because essentially what it is is Duncan and Bo taking 45 minute episodes of that TV show embellishing every single scene to about <laughs> what 10 minutes each by giving the characters ridiculous fucking impressions it's and backstories best. that don't make sense but I'm like saying oh wouldn't it be funny if fucking Mr. Tojimura was played by Wilford Brimley you know, that's what that show is. That show has become a mockery of itself. It's it amazing. Be, it used to be. It used to be hard hitting, factually discussing real journalism. Yeah, yeah, so and discussing now it's become movies and, a sham. And now it's <laughs> just deputy hard. Now it's fake reviews. It's as as a podcast reviewing Twin Peaks. If David Lynch directed a podcast talking about Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's essentially what is is ridiculous. It's nonsensical. And poor, poor what's her face that plays Nadine does not speak like that in real life, but we've given her the ad. Well, you know what? Now I actually am going to listen to that show. The only reason I haven't is because I was never a big Twin Peaks fan. Oh, oh that doesn't matter. It's and so now, barely now about no- Twin Peaks at this point. Like, <laughs> well, I'm see, honestly... now knowing that, now I... I want to hear it now. I was just like, I thought you were just like, you know, we're going to seriously talk about the show. And I was like, I didn't really care that, for the like, show. So that, that's what I thought. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'll start watching the show again. And like, I watched part of the pilot and I'm like, I don't really want to fucking sit through this again. I watched this like five or six years ago. I, I just don't, but I was like, Oh, you know, I'll still listen to Duncan about here and there. And I'm enjoying the meta plot of twin peaks that they've invented way more than what's actually going on in that fucking show like they're like oh yeah so this is this episode and then they get like the 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 scant details at the beginning i'm like oh right i remember that episode okay i know what's going on in the story and then it's like but here's what's really happening and fucking coma hawks and goddamn if mean boy if mean boy had been put in charge of that show back in 1991 it would still be on Oh yeah, that second season would have been glorious. Jesus Christ, that second season would have been. <laughs> people amazing. were people are confused watching it first time around. Trust me, no one would have known what hit them. There would be the all James musical episode. <laughs> oh dear God, boy! No. Yeah, it would be entitled <laughs> "You Don't Look Like Laura." Yep. And every what? line in the show would be "You Don't Look Like Laura." I, I can't. I can't wait till we get to a fire walk with me. Where the actress oh that plays God. Donna's replaced, so we can use you're not Donna. <laughs> you don't look like Donna. <laughs> don't look like Donna. Oh my God, I can't wait to. Oh, I can't wait to get to the, get to the new one because there is a scene in one of those episodes where that was literally what the, the what popped out of my head. Yeah, I just <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't not do it. It just oh God damn it, it's so good. I I'm so happy. Like somebody was saying earlier today that um, <laughs> anytime some one mentions drugs now that they go through the like you know, <laughs> yayo gank skag clean burning propane 
And the fact that it's gone beyond Twin Peaks to references to drugs in general uh, lets us know that we're really doing the Lord's work. Yes. So. Yes, you are. It's so good. Nice. I, need to, I need to jump back on it. Um, it's it, but has it is like three hours long, and that's that's a commitment I just don't always have to give. I know, and it we I swear, hand to Christ, it never starts out that way. Yeah, no, it doesn't start I, out that way. And I start recording with Bo at half eleven at night, and regularly don't get to bed till after three. So yeah, that's <laughs> kind of like this show. Yeah, Yay! yeah, because it's yeah. like uh, one o'clock in the morning for Duncan. Oh yeah, yeah, but it's worth it spending time with my peeps. Right, we did have a we did have an off air emergency that had to be attended to. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So, break yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Duncan, for joining us as always. It's a pleasure to have you. And Yay! Keep up the good work. Duncan, tell the people where they can find you. Um, check me out at the podcast Under the Stairs. Um, it's on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash slash groups forward slash cast and mm-hmm. on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn. I'm pretty much everywhere with that now. Uh, also Legion Podcasts, uh, where you can check out the other stuff that I do with some of my side projects, as well as the show that we've just referenced quite a lot with myself and, as I like to call him, American Duncan, uh, Mr. Bo Ransdell, uh, <laughs> who we talk about Twin Peaks at the moment. That's what my mom calls me. <laughs> you suck. I'm going to call you American Duncan from now on. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. I'm just going to I'm just going to like start like finding ways to to change words and sentences or songs that rhyme with bow to the word bow. And I think all the listeners out there should do it as well. Think about I think you just found the way. You just do it. Just yeah, do it. like what you mean rhyme things? Is that your grand plan? No, <laughs> not rhyme things. No. Replace, replace words, you son of a bitch. Replace words, not rhyme words, replace words. Oh, all right, Eeny, fine. Meeny, miny, bow. See, Jamie's Catch got a tiger it. by the bow. bow. <laughs> if it's if green, he hollers, let, let him bow. <laughs> Well, we each die two deaths. It's it's the the physical death and the last time someone speaks your name. So I'm all for this. It grants me a, an odd sort of immortality. Yep, everyone should mm. do it and should post it on the DTP page. The most inventive one wins nothing. Uh, <laughs> wins herpes. I can already picture. I can already picture Ricky Morgan going nuts with that. Yeah, he's oh, gonna Lord. Yep, it'll be fun. Oh, speaking of stuff, well, not really. Um, but the DTP page and winning things. T-shirt is a thing that I'm still working on. I need to do some more research. Um, but yeah. Gonna have a DTP shirt for sale pretty soon-ish. Hey. Looking at two different options. One that Duncan was using and then there's another one that I saw that might be easier because it's in the US. Uh, but we'll see. So, uh, yeah. More than likely... Still debating on what kind of image we're going to do. I may go with the one that the really nice one that was done for us, um, or something else. Go with know. the terrible one that was done for us. We don't have really throw him a curveball. <laughs> no, I but for like design, I wasn't sure if I just want to do fuck this movie. I because everybody wants a fuck this movie shirt, 
and I do too, but I also right. But where wanna... do you wear it? Is right, the thing. exactly. A Rob Zombie is... film set is pretty much the only place, <laughs> right? Which is why I wanted to do something a little bit. You know, let's get let let's get the first round of just straight up devour shirts done, and then well, you can do like a limited run of fuck this movie shirts. Okay. I'm gonna wear it to pick up my child from nursery. Yes. <laughs> you actually any. Really anytime, no oh, like, sorry. have it right by your door, so anytime you have to go to the emergency room mm-hmm. for any reason, your own or someone else's, grab the shirt and put it on real fast. <laughs> yes, Dude, Let's I, people I, know you're serious. I, I once, I once answered the door to some Jehovah's Witnesses wearing a cradle of filth T-shirt that said nice. "Jesus is a cunt" that had a nun being pleasured with a giant crucifix on the back. Yep, they did not come back. No, I've got a <laughs> shirt for you, Duncan. That. Mm-hmm. I said, I have a shirt for you. Okay. It's the Devour the Podcast, Fuck This Movie t-shirt. I need you to buy about 25 of them. <laughs> See? <laughs> Put it on your kid, Duncan. Um, <laughs> it'll be like that little Asian kid I saw wearing the t-shirt that said, Too Drunk to Fuck at the yeah. airport. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to do to get you an offen- in an offensive t-shirt today, Duncan? <laughs> right? What makes you think I'm not wearing one right now? Oh. Yeah. All right, touche. Fair <laughs> enough. So, yes, t-shirts. We're gonna. I'll keep. A, I'll update that to Facebook. Um, yeah, that's gonna be a little bit more work than I thought it was gonna be, but that's not a problem. Uh, is there anything else we need to cover before we get the fuck out of here? I want to get some food. <laughs> well, I wanted to uh, go through all of the Halloween films <laughs> real quick. <laughs> Real fast, like no more than like fifteen minutes per movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then compare them to all the Puppet Master ones. I'm gonna, I there, I'm actually gonna contrast it with the film Thirty One. Ransdale, if you don't, I, I will, <laughs> I will make you do the Hellraiser franchise again. <laughs> oh fuck! All right, I'll be good. Yeah, that's right. So the scene opens with <laughs> making myself a cup of coffee and getting ready to go fishing. He walks around the corner from a rock. And he sees a body wrapped in plastic. It's the dead body of Laura Palmer. Welcome to Duncan and Bo goes to Twin Peaks. <laughs> Why not? We've restarted that. We've we played that intro scene how many times now? Right. Let's, make, let's just cross shows now, Bo. Let's just do it. Never cross the, sh- the show. Yeah, never cross, yeah, the, never cross show. the shows. Total. Uh, it, that causes total protonic reversal. <laughs> It's just going to be Deputy Hawk sounds. and <laughs> Yes. See, that's what you need. You have to have that for the sound. Yes. It's like Duncan sitting on a set of keys. <laughs> that's exactly the noise I make when I sit on a set of keys as well. <laughs> and then follow up with, oh, Mr. Data. <laughs> Right, let's let's get out of here. All right, let's end this nonsense and <laughs> go home. Say good night, folks. Go home. Go home. Jamie, say good night. Good night. Duncan, say good night. Good night. Bo, say good night. Good night. Bye, everybody. So anyway, about this Halloween thing. If you wish to contact Devour the Podcast, you can reach us by email at CinnabiteDave, that's C-E-N-O-B-I-T-E-D-A-V-E at gmail.com or maven1974 at gmail.com. 
You can follow us on Twitter at D De La Morte, D D E L L A M O R T E, or Maven 1974. To visit the site, go to devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. And now you can leave a message on our fancy new voicemail at Sometimes, 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 sometimes. Devour.